Hey, it's Sky Brothers here. View from the cheap seats this week. We have an unbelievable guest. Uh, he played for in the NFL, had over ten thousand six hundred yards rushing, and now he's got a great acting career. He's Thomas Q. Jones. Man, did you have fun on the show? Man, I had a blast on this show. Thank we you so much deep. for inviting me. Yeah, we got super deep, man. It was early in the morning out here in the West Coast. Man, Listen, y'all, got man, my, y'all got my brain working early, man. Talk so. Issues. I'm yeah. talking issues. I'm saying, look, we got so deep, we put her butt to sleep. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Twisting the Wind with Johnny Pemberton. I, I, I studied French for I studied French a little bit, so maybe I'll just try this out and see, see what happens. <laughs> ah, bonjour, bienvenue à Twisting the Wind avec Monsieur Johnny Pemberton. C'est ça. C'est moi. C'est pas de problème ici, mais non. Parce que... Jusque moi. C'est si. Jusque moi. Beaucoup de personnes qui disent... Beaucoup de personnes qui pensent... Pourquoi Moi, je dis... Pourquoi pas Je dis pourquoi pas Ceci, ceci, ceci n'est pas de problème. Il y a, il y a maintenant ici. Oh, elle veut envoyer, n'est-ce pas, mon petit ami? C'est très beau, c'est très, c'est très belle, c'est très beau. Qui garçon, qui la femme. Oh, oh. Je ne comprends pas les personnages qui n'aiment pas le café. Qu'est-ce que les problèmes avec les personnes qui n'aiment pas le café? Oh, juste le thé? Qu'est-ce que le problème avec l'été? My God, can you tone it down a bit? Jesus H. Crisp. Okay, is that enough for yeah. that? Wow, I got a little bit got a little bit dramatic, dramatic, dramatic bear. This is Twisting the Wind. My name is Johnny Pemberton. Thank you for listening to this episode. It's a goddamn ha. Ah.
like Haw Flakes. You remember those Haw Flakes? Does anyone know about Haw Flakes? Haw discs? Haw in general? Remember Haw Flakes? No one knows about Haw? Come on, speak up. Haw Flakes. Listen, they're really good. They're made of, um, they're made of, uh, Hawthorne. Since their name is Hawthorne. What they are is little round discs made of compressed, I guess, Hawthorne, Hawthorne berries or something. Man, they're fucking tasty. I used to eat them as a candy as a child. I just thought about them the other day. Just randomly popped into my head. Haw flakes. Whatever happened to haw flakes? Terrible, ter- terrible things happening without them. Haw flakes. Thanks so much for being here and Twisting the Wind. If you haven't already, please subscribe. Please go ahead and click subscribe on iTunes or However it is that you do what you do when you listen to what you listen to, which is this, which I know it is because you're listening to it right now, so it's fulfilling, it's connecting this circle. The snake is biting its tail. The snake is biting its tail, ladies and gentlemen. The snake is biting its tail in the audio-visual arena. The snake is biting its fucking tail. So whatever you do, make your snake bite its own tail by subscribing. Also, please rate and review the podcast I think I said review. Did I not enunciate that enough? I think I did. I think with English, how it works is as long as you string them together right, people get it. Because people know, like, oh, I didn't know what that one word was in the middle there, but I know what I want to do the word together. Who's that? Who says like that? No one says like that. I talk, listen, do what I did when I had it, but when the chips fall where they are, then you may be where an elephant can't reach its touch. So that's all that is. Yeah. Rate and review, subscribe. If you need to contact the podcast, the podcast, I like to think it's like a robot. It's like a big box. It's like one of those machines that make shit. It's not making it for art's sake, making it like, we need more shit. Shit like actual poo-poo. Uh, it's twisting the wind at gmail.com. <laughs> it's twisting the wind at gmail.com. Twisting the Sorry about that. I'm really excited about, uh, I'm about to be leaving on this tour, okay? You're going to hear this. I'm about to be leaving on this tour with Josh Fadum. I've talked about this a whole bunch on this podcast and other podcasts because uh, you got to get the word out there because it's super exciting. It's kind of an adventurous, dangerous dip of sorts. So we're kind of going out there to a lot of places we've never been. going to see a lot of people we don't know. It's going to be one of those things where it's going to be a good shakeup. It's going to be like a, a good solid psilocybin trip without the psilocybin and more distended and probably not as like localized and then you know what i mean it's something where out of your element get out of your element so we're doing that uh we're going to be in milwaukee in madison wisconsin in chicago in iowa city in omaha kansas city norman oklahoma Houston, Texas, and Austin before that. So those are the dates. You can look it up online, but it starts the 21st, and that's in Milwaukee, and then we're zigzagging all the way down to Houston, which is the, which is July 2nd. So if you live in any one of those cities, if you live in any one of those cities, what I, what I meant to say, if you live in any one of those, but what happened is, because I'm a native English speaker, I just sort of fucking thuck those two together, and it became any... When I meant to say in any, 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 when I meant to sing in any. So if you live in any of the city, 
Take a little pretty bitty ditty and go out to see the pretty stinny, okay, bitty? <laughs> uh, it could have been a good rap if I had, you know, had, a, had rap ambition. <laughs> What's up? You got rap ambition? But seriously, if you live near any of the... But seriously, does that fucking mean anything? God damn it. But seriously, as opposed to anything is serious or ever not serious at any time. Really? Do we need to say that anymore? I do. It's the same reason we say guys, the same reason uh, I just talked to some woman on the phone who said, use the word like and you know, maybe 175 times, even though she's a professional who works with people who are uh, wordsmiths. Jesus fucking Christ, what's wrong with us as people? But seriously, if you live anywhere near any of those places, if you know anyone who's dear to you who lives near any of those places, please spread the cheer and get them out because we want to have fun and be seeing people who are like, yeah, we're we're here to do the same thing you are. We're just on the reception end. You know, a chord, uh, a guitar chord doesn't work. You got to have the male and the female. And I'm not talking about sex here. I'm talking about, <laughs> I'm talking about connectivity, okay? I'm talking about connectivity. Which sex is just connectivity, isn't it? So who am I fucking kidding? You know, like, 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 you know, do it like you know it. Don't just show it. Ooh, I got a bit. Could have said some really obvious rhymes there, but I didn't because I don't want to be the obvious rhymer. But so, yeah, thanks for that. Really much, really much thanks for and thanks in advance for coming out. I think I'm going to try to have some paper. I think I'm going to I think I'm going to try. That's a pretty wishy-washy thing to say, right? I think I'm going to try. I think I'm going to try. That is about as non-committal as it gets. That's like a, someone writing a fucking New Yorker article. I think we were trying to... F- I'm sorry. I'm just venting right now. I'm having trouble uh, merging with the new consciousness, uh, the, new, the, new, the new media consciousness, which is uh, non-committal, uh, blasé, and really just, just fucking... So I can't even describe it. You know what? It, you know what it is. It's inarticulate. So I'm being inarticulate in of that self. This is probably the fourth or fifth time in the podcast when I've struggled to find the word inarticulate, which in of itself, in and of itself, is on inarticulate. Right? Who are we? Where are we going? But seriously, but seriously, uh, uh, I had a, saw something really interesting on the way over here. Uh, Sometimes I find this is a fun thing to do, and that's why I put that music underneath there. That that nice uh, Mark Andres Amelin. He's this fucking outstanding, brilliant piano player who plays all these different uh, and reinterprets all these. I guess yeah. I don't know. I don't know how to talk about classical music. I really don't. That's something that certain people do not how to talk about, and I feel like they're less and less. But that guy is a fucking genius. Uh, if you get a chance to check out his his record called well, I'll I'll link to it. I believe it's called um. Uh, etudes, which I think it just means practices, or not practices. An etude is a practice. It's a it's a exercise, exercise, exercise. It's an exercise. And Mark Andre Amalin, or I don't, maybe he's French, maybe he's not, he's Danish. Who knows? But that album is incredible. It's just absolutely stunning. It's like listening to uh, Glenn Gould. But he, I just heard something on the way here. Listen to some classical music sometimes. Being in the car and you're not in a hurry, well, you should never be in a hurry, but I am. I'm guilty. And you hear some classical music on the radio, which is available to everyone. It's one of those things. It's like Christian radio. It really is. 
And, you know, I don't, I, I'm going to pull back those words and say that might not be true, but I think as far as wide reach goes, there's a good chance you, wherever you live, you can get some classical music on the radio. And there's a good chance whoever's programming it is probably halfway intelligent and has somewhat good, somewhat decent taste. And I'm listening to this, this, uh, thing I haven't heard. It's, uh, some him, it's Mark Andre Amelin playing Haydn. And it's, uh, real pretty and nice and just something about it, like being in the car and that situation just by yourself. And so it was really hot in there, but I was still, I had meditated very recently. So still kind of in that thing where you're like, you see stuff, you see things that you would normally see, maybe like the shape of the flower leaf that's coming off of this agave plant. Like they're very blah, blah, blah. But I drove by, I live in this little neighborhood that's very, very much like a neighborhood, uh, an immigrant neighborhood. Houses are very close together. Everything's really crammed in there. It's just residential. There's nothing else, except it's not true at all. There's a lot of weird industrial stuff all in there as well. But it's industrial, the residential areas are very, very cloistered in there, you know. And I'm driving really slowly because the streets are so narrow, you have to drive slow, which is something that more traffic engineers should probably fucking learn because it's the truth. Narrow streets mean safe streets. But And I drive by this, uh, this, there's like three little girls, maybe two little girls, probably all under the age of 10. And I'm hearing this music, this incredibly beautiful piano music being played by... Uh, Incredibly music, Haydn playing. And I have all the windows up and everything, so I'm really like locked in there. But I can see through these my windows, and these little girls. It's the summer, right? So they're they're out on a they're out clearly out on break. Um, one of them is standing on a chair, holding like a big Ziploc freezer bag that's filled with water, <laughs> and it has a bunch of holes poked in it, like a shower head. And she's squeezing it. And the, the other little girl who's on standing on the ground is like kind of laughing, tipping her head back, like basically getting this sort of impromptu shower <laughs> of sorts. I don't know why it struck me so much. It's just something where you see this sort of beautiful simplicity that you wouldn't otherwise see if you weren't taking the time to kind of just take the time to to allow yourself to see something. Does that make sense? I don't know. I don't think there's really any point or anything. It's just sometimes fun to see people, especially children, just doing something kind of real simple and innocent. And it's also... You're like, God, I would love to be doing that with some friends right now. Is to have a fucking Ziploc bag filled with water and just like fucking around with that being such an, it's like, it's so stupid. But it's the, that's like the most fun stuff always is the most fun things. Those really dumb, simple, homemade kind of things. Maybe that's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm not really saying anything. I'm, I guess I'm just sort of, uh, what do you say? Uh, palavering on the, on this idea. Maybe, uh, essaying to try, as they say, as, as what the word essay means, where it comes from. That's what maybe this is, you know, this podcast. I just said, you know, but who cares? Uh, I think that maybe that's sort of kind of what podcasts are in a sense. They're like audio essays. So maybe that was an audio essay. Doesn't matter. Moving on. We live in, we live here. We're, <laughs> I just want somebody to surprise me with a fucking Ziploc bag filled with water. On a hot day outside, fucking around. You know you can't go inside. You're not allowed to go inside. Just get out there. Go play. And that's what you do. That's a pretty fun little game right there. Which kind of leads me to the guest today. Fucking very excited to have this guest. We talked for a long time. 
because uh, it's so easy to talk to this person. His name is Joel Robinson. He's a naturalist. He's brilliant. He knows uh, so much about what a naturalist knows about and is so passionate and interesting. And it just was like a real, real, a real, um, real great, a real great one. <laughs> so you will like it. Do you understand me? You will like it. You will like it. Do you like outside? Do you like the trees? Do you like the plants? Do you like the bugs? Do you like the grass? Do you like the rocks? Do you like the colors on the rocks? Do you like getting up in there, going around there, lifting it up, checking it out, and watching them scurry? <laughs> if you like those things, you're going to like this. Because that's what we're talking about here. Okay? And Joel Robinson, I, sh- I have to pimp out his website here. It's naturalist-for-u. Like the words for naturalist for you. If you just type in naturalist for you, and this is a very much a Southern California or California centric thing, but it doesn't mean you can't gain something from this. It's really interesting. He's created this, this nonprofit, amazing, uh, company or organization that, uh, seeks to bring people into nature. And if you know me, if you listen to the podcast before, you know, I've got a big old smoking hard boner for nature. <laughs> And it's gross to say that, but it's true. I want to fuck the ground. Actually, don't fuck the ground. So check out that website and please enjoy this conversation with Joel Robinson here on Twisting the Wind. Don't forget to rate and review and to subscribe and to do everything good. And especially donate. If you haven't donated yet and you're listening for free, well, you know you haven't donated yet and are listening to free. For two, four, four free. So... That being said, I urge you to donate if you can. And if you're purchasing things for your life using the Amazon.com website, please go to feralaudio.com first. Click on the Twisting the Wind show page and purchase some things via our Amazon portal. Okay? We get some money. Also, there's tons of suggestions, products, ideas, books that have been mentioned on the shows that will take you to Amazon. You can just get them and get them, get them, get them, get them good. You understand me? And get them good like a steaming and a pisto. Not a P-I-S-T-O-L. A P-I-S. I don't know how you spell it, but it's a different thing. It's like a part of a plant. sound like myself ah, check out that stick over there not a good stick it's a good stick it's a beautiful stick yeah where'd you get that found it in a lawn i found it in a no i found it in like a boulevard and not that far from here i was walking to the post office <laughs> it's and, a big stick yeah i know i was like that's a pretty good damn big stick and i was like i'm gonna take this back you know so so you were carrying this down the boulevard i carried it for about two blocks a stick for two blocks so long enough you know to did you draw attention to yourself at all? I'm sure I did. It was in the middle of the day, though, so it was one of those things where not a whole lot of people around to to draw attention from. But either way. It almost no. looks like alder, but uh, maybe not. Do you know much about trees? Are you good at identifying trees? Uh, I'm less good when I'm in an urban or suburban okay. area, but like Got out it. in wild areas, it's pretty easy for me. Yeah, Got sure. It. Well, uh, let's we're, let's start it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're started. See, that's the thing. It starts before you know it started. But uh, Joel Robinson. Yes. You're here. I am. You're a naturalist. 
right? You're a naturalist? Yeah, like, yeah. Because like, yeah. I, I have a friend who I have I call a naturalist, and he always says, like, I'm not a naturalist. I'm like, well, you are a naturalist to me, but yeah. you're a naturalist. Yeah, I'm and a <laughs> self-proclaimed naturalist. <laughs> naturalist, got it. What, yeah. it what, is, uh, what does it mean to be a naturalist? Oh, well... It's complicated, I'm, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, a lot of times I'll ask people on... Um, when I'm doing programs, right. what do you think it means to be a naturalist? <laughs> you know, right. and, and or can you think of anybody that you've heard of that is a naturalist? And right. usually somebody will come up with like David Attenborough or okay. John Muir or... Right. Um, but, it, you know, there's a, a lot of differences between those two people. And um, I guess I never thought of Attenborough as being a naturalist, to be honest. But Yeah, he's totally... Well, he? see... I think it's it, there's, it's it's gray it's gray. No, right. Nobody knows for sure what a naturalist right. is, so it's a perfect title for yourself because then you could just be this amorphous, right? Take advantage of a situation, sort of. I mean, uh, from my perspective, I, for me personally, being a naturalist is spending a lot of time out in natural areas, right. wild places that aren't maintained um, or less maintained, and uh, and then figuring. And then taking that information and sharing or like spending a lot of time observing my surroundings, mm -hmm. figuring stuff out, and then um, taking that information and sharing it with others. So it's a lot of people will say I'm an environmental educator. Okay. But Doesn't sound as good. it's almost like research too. Like I think naturalists, some people say that naturalists are supposed to be like researching, but on like more of an ecological scale uh -huh. versus like some, not just one species, but just understanding the whole ecosystem of an area right. and collecting data and all that. And I don't do that real formally, Okay. but just by sheer repetition, I'm out so often that I could almost, it's pretty cool. Cause like I say I'm leading a nature walk or something right. like that. And, and it's a familiar trail I've done many a time. And I could literally say, oh, yeah, and right over here, a lesser nighthawk usually shows up about this time. And then a lesser nighthawk shows up. <laughs> so it's the ultimate, you know, m magic trick. A lesser nighthawk? Yeah. <laughs> that sounds amazing. What is a lesser nighthawk? <laughs> well, it's not really a hawk. Um, it's not a bird of prey? But it is, but it's preying on very small things. Okay. Like, like, like I, it's like a bat. Yeah. Um, it's taken advantage of little things um right at like twilight okay and um it's related to poor wills and uh they're in this weird family called the nightjar family nightjar. and they're trippy birds they look like an owl <laughs> mixed with a hawk mixed with what? a dove and and they're not very big wow what color but, are they uh oh it's a mix i mean a lot of dark colors I no idea. i've never heard of that yeah look look them up in the field guides okay. they're weird like um it, a relative of the poor will they both of them nest on the ground and, um, uh, the, they, the poor will in particular, you'll be hiking around mm. dusk and you'll see this shape in the trail in front of you, maybe 20, 30 feet. Right. And then it flies up and it goes over your head and lands behind you. And then you, and, and then you go the other way and it'll fly back over your head. And Why land. is it doing that? And I guess they forage from the ground. So they'll wait okay. on the ground, catch something insect related, I guess, in the air and then fly back down. And one time we were going up this road, um, Maple Springs Road. It's in the Santa Ana Mountains where I'm at. And um, this, uh, the, the gate was open so people could drive on the same road that we're hiking on. And it's at night. And there was a poor will that I could always like point out. Hey, there's a poor will that we'll probably see right over here. But how do you and spell that poor will? P-O-O-R-W-I-L-L. -L. Poor will. Yeah. Okay, so, Because when you hear them at night, they go... <laughs> Like poor Will, poor Will, poor Will, <laughs> yeah, poor Will Shakespeare or something. Oh, I don't wow. know. I, I guess that's 
um, where I don't know where it came from, but um, right. uh, so, well, so, you're, so you're walking along. So this, we're walking this along this right road, and it's national forest all around us: woodland, trees, scrub, chaparral, and um, like, oh yeah, there's probably going to be a poor will over here. And then this this pickup truck just races down, and we have to get off to the side of the road, mm-hmm. and and then is gone. And there, where the poor will would normally be, it's there, but its neck is broken. Oh no! It was so horrible. But nobody ever gets to see these things up close. So it was like, it's sad that it's dead, but it was amazing because we get to it. hold it, and it's still warm, and its neck's all flopping around. But we look at these patterns on its back, and they're just like browns and blacks. But it's just a very, very intricate pattern. Yeah, and, it's almost like an iridescent. Some of those birds have like an iridescent oh, color to their feathers, a, right? Yeah, it's it's a trip. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's it's disorienting the the pattern. It's so, on purpose, I suppose. Yeah, right? exactly. It's like a defense. And um, and they have whiskers like a cat coming what? out of the sides of their beak, and they're super cool. Uh, but anyway, uh, I'm down. Yeah, I'm down with poor wills. Now. I'm, <laughs> I'm looking, right. looking forward to encountering a poor will. So uh, I wanted to ask you and talk to you about you have an organization you run, yeah. a nonprofit called Naturalist for You, right? Is that what it's called? Yeah, that's that's right. You got it right the What's, first time. The website is naturalist slash. There's a dash. It's a dash. A hyphen. A hyphen. Naturalist hyphen for hyphen you, right? Correct. Dot yeah. org. Okay. Dot org. So yeah. everyone visit that. We'll put it on the website too. But tell me, tell me about that. How that started and what it is. Uh well, let's see. So, well, I grew up in the city of Orange okay. in Orange County. Beautiful city. I've been there one time. I went there on my birthday actually. Really? Just for the hell Where? of it. Cause I like to ride. Tra- I like riding trains a lot. Like I really. Yeah, thoroughly enjoy riding trains and one like old-fashioned trains or any train, any, any train, any train. Okay, you know, especially above ground. Yeah, I like to ride trains. So it was like my girlfriend and I, were like, let's go to uh, the city of Orange because it's you know it's kind of quaint, right? Yeah. It's a quaint. It's, they have the the old style downtown with right. the center square, you know, malt shop, candy shop. Yeah, that kind of thing. So we went through, we really took the train there and just you know hung out and had a little. Something to eat or whatever, but uh, yeah, right it's a nice place. Or orange. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the part that everybody sees, but they don't see. Oh, there's, it's so there's much bigger it's city be. than that, yeah, and, um, and and uglier. It has to be <laughs> for sure. <laughs> I'm sure. I mean, because Southern California uh, is there's so much sprawl that's so much. Like oh, there's yeah. places like Fontana and places around there where you see them and just like this is there are people living in this because right. it's just everything's sort of gray yeah it's homogenized like a, it's really nasty some of it is when well, they all have their old towns it's yeah like, oh yeah we love our old town yeah, but then everybody lives in you know the yeah, other section yeah <laughs> i was right. at the uh this place in glendale with my girlfriend recently it's called the, it's called uh the americana it's like this it's like a it's like in the glendale. grove it's the oh. same people who did the grove oh which is that weird that mall with the trolley and yeah. everything yeah and it's so weird the, the place is fucking packed it's brimming with people there's like kids playing out all over on the astroturf yeah uh which looks great because it's not real uh and it just it's fucking loaded with people everywhere and it looks like an actual sort of uh a functioning city center but you're like wait a second everybody drove here everybody fucking drove and parked in the legions of stacked parking around us to and to integrate themselves into this perfect little it's just, it's so fucking creepy. The reason it's so creepy is because it's so well done. It's like a thing where like, this is really what it would be like to live in a city that was sustainably designed, yet 
it's yet no one is it's like it's, it's such a great irony that it's kind of hard to even take in you know well it's like it's like disneyland i mean when exactly i worked like disneyland when yeah. i worked at disneyland which is like you told me that in the car right here i'm like okay yeah. i can't wait to ask you about that shit man well i mean uh, and this sort of i guess leads up to why i'm right. a naturalist now anyway but uh, you know where i grew up in orange um uh, I grew that... up in West Orange for a little while, sort of near the circle. We call it the circle. Okay, that's um, what the I'm old talking town. about. Yeah, yeah. The circle. And um, but uh, and it was really cool up until third grade. All the kids were barefoot, and these are like 1950s homes with huge yards and remnant orchard, and and it was cool, and everybody knew each other. Uh-huh. And and then this big corporation bought out our entire neighborhood oh, and shit. paid everybody off, and now it's a 24-hour fitness parking lot in a Hilton hotel Ooh. where that was mm-hmm. and it was and it had this it was weird because I, we had this totally rural feel mm-hmm. yet we were right next to the train tracks the five freeway anaheim stadium and a drive-in theater and disneyland like wow. that was all right there Jeez. and so like when i go to sleep at night it was such a trip like anytime there was a game or like the rams were playing mm-hmm. or there was motocross or whatever i'd go to sleep to applause <laughs> and I got it was almost like listening to the waves at the beach like it was oh just weird God. and then he'd go away for a while and yeah. then and it was the weirdest sound that would creep through my that is window. a weird sound yeah it was a it was a trip but that was until third grade and um I mean we get raccoons and there were still mm-hmm. toads and newts and things and places and and uh and then they demolished all that and then we moved to East Orange um was 1970s stucco nightmare with cul-de-sacs yeah you, you know the asphalt is just so wide and hot and and everybody's yard is the same with lawn and and nobody came out of their house and that was that was like and that and that's where i grew up the rest of my life mm-hmm. and so i like in the back of my mind i always missed this first few years of my life and um it was it sucked i mean it, i mean i got the most out of what it was but mm-hmm. uh it, it was so boring and uh just like what you're talking about in fontana and wherever boring and, is a great a word to describe that it's because i think people over over uh estimate certain things when really a lot of times stuff is just well boring is terrible boring is terrible if when something when the place you live is set up to in a way that makes everyone bored because there's nothing it's like, stimulating there's no about stimulation it. That, and the way things are designed is they're designed so people don't interact it's like there's no forced interaction yeah they don't have to worry about anything anymore there's there's no shared concerns there's no yeah it's all very we all have our own yard we all have our own home theater system yeah we all have our own yeah everything Everything. is compartmentalized yeah and and oh it was just miserable and there were no kids around nothing but i dealt with that but having grown up next to disneyland my dad worked at disneyland I thought like, oh, that's the end all when you're a kid. Like, oh, if I could, because I'd have all these like <laughs> dreams, like like I'd, I'd always think about how I could break into Disneyland because we didn't have a whole lot of money. Right. And so I, like, oh, maybe I could parachute in or like, oh, I, you know, we drive by and like that fence isn't that hard to climb, yeah. you know, and try to figure out all these ways. My so, girlfriend used to do that. She used to break in as a kid. Not break in. <laughs> she would, they would sneak in. This is in the days, because she grew up in Orange County. This yeah. is in the days when, before they had mastered the, uh, the sticker or whatever wristband thing. And you used to be able to do like a classic lick and stick type thing. They would <laughs> right. get in. They would get in like, you know, I know the what most you're obvious about. ways possible they'd get in. So, <laughs> right. so I, I never went that far. Right. But then I thought, oh, well, that'll, you know, when I get out of high school, that'll be my first job. Right. And it was. But then I was like this total introvert. And so like when they give me the options of jobs, like there's jobs where you have to deal with the public and then there's jobs where you're behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, behind the scenes is better for me. I don't want to deal with 
stupid public people. Right. I don't have to talk to anybody. And and so I picked a costuming and it said, oh, you have to be willing to like clean clothes and clean clothes and organize clothes and stuff like that. And so I'm I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be good. Like I, it's mindless. I'll get paid for it. And then I could get into the park for free. Yay. You know, but right. but then I I get. I get the job and it is mindless and horrible and I'm in this warehouse, you know, sorting clothes that come back from dry cleaners and and worrying about people's sizes and stuff like that and what's what was crazy, I mean, uh, is how I mean, you they call it on stage and off stage and we're all cast members and and the show like it's all about the show, right? Yeah. And and there's thousands of people working behind the scenes making everything look perfect and like that mall you were talking about and it and it like crap loads of energy and and you know the trash bins are all overflowing and and like and they're all everything's always painted new and all the flowers are always blooming and yeah. and, and it's just insane and they're working all night long these horticulture people and these yeah they have a pretty oh, serious team of people there i go crazy. i go there to this day uh and i'm like they have some they have a lot of plants they have a pretty big diversity of oh, plants there. Oh, it's intense. There. It, yeah, yeah, I mean, the horticulture department is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually, before I left, I was thinking about going into that because I was so tired of what I had as a job. Right. And, um, uh, but a- anyway, so, like, it, it's just insane how much work and energy goes into that place. For a fa- It's a facade. Yeah. You know, it's an illusion. It's the facade. Yeah. It's and, like and, the and ultimate facade. When people spend, I don't know how much they're spending to get in now, but it, 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 it's insane. It's like over a yeah. hundred bucks or something. Mm-hmm. To And then they complain and they're miserable the whole time. Right. And, and, you know, in these preposterous lines and, and for what? I don't know. Yeah. But, but it, it's weird. I mean, I think some people, I mean, I, I suppose half, a lot of people there are having a fucking great time, especially the kids because... Oh but, yeah. But at the same time, all those kids would have a good time. Uh, no, you put them on almost anything, you know. Well, <laughs> I mean, it's cool because I mean, it, the positive side of that place is that it inspired me. Like they had Frontierland and, and Adventureland, yeah. and I'm like, you know, at, when you're little, little, you think it's sort of real, right? And then right. you get older, and you're like, wow, the artists are really good at making it right. look real. It's curated, and it, it yeah. really is curated in a way that's uh, it's admirable. Well, and and then then you realize, oh, there's a real place like that, right? And yeah. then and that's sort of, that was inspirational to me. Like, I want to see the real old mm-hmm. West Town. I want to see the real Matterhorn. Yeah. What is it like? These all think these mm-hmm. are things that exist, and and so I, I guess I took that away when I was a kid visiting there. But as an employee, oh, I couldn't stand it. Like, I, I, when I first started. <laughs> The it was just like outdoor vending costumes and ride costumes and all the people the other boring cast members you right. know nothing nobody interesting who plays a, like a banjo or something <laughs> and so they come up to like the window Steve Martin yeah right <laughs> and so they come to the window expecting to um, get their right sizes but like a lot of times like the clean stuff would come in late mm-hmm. or like the last person at the window. Um, we didn't have their size. So we have to give them a different size, which means I like it's a snowball effect where nobody has their size anymore. <laughs> and so some giant man comes and is like, "Oh, all I have are like twenty eight waist size now," and like, and they're looking at me like they're going to kill me because they have to be on you know working in like five right. minutes or whatever. And 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 every costume had all these pieces of it. Like they had like. There were culottes. I didn't even know what a culotte was until I yeah, went to Disneyland. Like and, long shorts, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> right. And like, um, I, I don't know, like uh, coat, overcoats and undercoats and petticoats and all these coats of different 
uh, and different. and they all were sized differently. Like some were letters, some were numbers, and you had to memorize all these pieces. And there's sometimes they're like shoe size and everything, and and so you're running around frantically down these this endless row of of like clothes, Indiana Jones style. Oh man, and and like sometimes you'd have like like I don't know sometimes like 20 30 40 people waiting at a line right and you're running around trying to get somebody's size and then the computers break down and just sweating bullets like I'd have nightmares just like trying to remember people's sizes Jeez. like they, like a, a whole dream would just be oh no his waist size is 20 and then it's his <laughs> other part of it you know and just trying to figure it out so it sounds like a l- opposite of being in the woods oh it was it was <laughs> horrendous and then it, but then I got to be in um entertainment costuming and i worked at this place called the character headroom and um so it was where all the character heads were and their bodies and everything and that was a trip for a little while um but again you know it, it all just wore thin and um uh but it paid for me to go to the uk for a little while and 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 it was easy it was an easy job but uh um then uh i was just i i think i was there like I don't know, five, six years. And, uh, which is, yeah, which is too much time at the tragic kingdom. Right. And I mean, everybody's morale sucks. Like you're working at supposedly the happiest place and, and nobody likes it there. I've met some people there who seem to be pretty happy, but it depends on your position. Right. I guess if if you're, you're, uh, if you're performing, like if you, I don't know, like the parade performers just always had a blast. Okay. They were just having the most just, fantastic time. Or having, print, doing yeah. some co-crap before that. Right, right. Well, yeah, I don't know how they could tolerate the music over and over again. Like I heard when I got hired, the Lion King was really big. Mm-hmm. And so that Lion King parade, oh man, just hearing times. the circle of life over Sick. and over. <laughs> oh, it was so horrible. It was just like, and and then the the at night the electrical parade song and everything like all these things that I thought I liked you know yeah. after hearing them three to five times a day you just want to kill somebody. Well, so tell me how how because you were talking about your yeah. uh, your uh, your not for naturals for you yeah so, so in a nutshell when you're in high school working there yeah and that's so <laughs> yeah long nutshell. story short uh, this being in warehouses handling manufactured costumes you know putting on this false show was just i got to the point where any free time i had i was going on hikes and i had this little park near my parents house that i started hiking a lot and um and uh like it was i would i was going primarily for just like exercise okay originally and just to get away like it was sort of therapeutic physical activity and, but I'd go all day long on this hike and just push the limits of my endurance and, and come back in the dark. Mm-hmm. And I'd walk from my house, which was not exactly next to the park. So I have to navigate all these streets to get to the park, right. then hike this, these trails. And, and I became so obsessed with that. And my parents somehow realized that I was interested. They bought me this all in one field guide. So how old were you at this point? Um, I was in my, uh, this is in the late nineties. So... I'm 36 now, so... So um, this is in, like, um, middle like, school? Yeah, uh, no. So I was, like, um, night. Well, I got, out, I got out of high school to okay. work at Disneyland. So I, what was I, 17, 18 then? Okay. And and then, so probably 1920 when I started obsessing about hiking. Right. So and, they got you this field guide. Yeah, and they just got me this field guide, and I didn't... I just... It sat on a shelf for a while, and then I one day took it out because I was wondering what all these plants were that I was right. seeing and wild animals that I was seeing. It was just like passing the same stuff around again. It was like, what is that? Oh, wait a second. I've got this guide. (laughs) 
Cool. And and I read that thing so through and through that it, it just like got stained and worn out in pages. Yeah, right. And and I realized how and it was unlocking when I was a kid, we went on trips to like Yosemite and uh, um camping trips and my mom was a scout leader and my grandparents we'd always go on hikes in the San Inez Mountains mm-hmm. in Santa Barbara and I I'd drink from creeks and all this stuff. And um it unlocked all those memories and I realized that's what I like. That's like the most amazing thing. Right. Now I have to figure out how to get paid to do it because uh-huh. I hate Disneyland. I don't ever <laughs> want to work there again. This is a great story. And, uh, and so, and I, and actually I was going to Pasadena art center at the time. I thought I was going to be in like, I was an illustrator. So okay. I, I thought I was going to do animation or something. And, um, it's funny because um, that's yo, so strange because that's what my, my girlfriend is. She's uh, she went to Pasadena, went to Art Center for illustration really? as well. Yeah. yeah. Oh, weird. Go to supersecretpowwow.com, everybody. <laughs> right. All, all your illustrations need supersecretpowwow.com. Yeah, she went through the illustration program there, and she's you know that's her that's her passion. That's what she does. So she's still doing that. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, that's yeah. cool. Super secret powwow. Yeah, that's her. I got to illustration that out. moniker. But that's so, so that's so that's so bizarre that <laughs> is weird yeah what are the odds of that I mean, being the case well she I mean, we may have had some of the same instructors who knows maybe jason holly i don't know, know. Really jason? i and i never i never yeah. finished because like when i was going there i went straight out of high school mm-hmm. i it's was tough. a hollow person i was a suburban watched too much tv mm-hmm. and movies and i had no real life and so i had nothing to express uh, and, and so did everybody else there. It's just like, you're guaranteed to get a job if you stay, stick, stick with it. And, and, and I didn't have any passion for it at the time. Now, now I, I realized I had to get experience as a human before I could start doing art again. There's, there's a lot of stuff like that. I feel like that, that that's not really told to people is the idea that it's okay not to go to a college or a college like thing after high school. It's okay to spend if like if I had kids or if I had anyone in my life who I could influence in that at that age, I was like, don't definitely do not go someplace right after high school. Fucking fuck up for a couple of years, <laughs> like go around uh, trying to figure out how things work and make some mistakes and just generally get some uh, some I, calluses or what do you want to call it? You know, I think they should be obligated. Yeah, I mean, it's, lose uh, some blood or something. Yeah, when I was going there, I saw this movie Train Spotting. Right. I mean, everybody's seen it. And um, it's funny because the title of the movie is such a trivial little scene in the movie. Uh, like, I haven't seen it in so long. I can't remember any of the details. Well, I mean, it's all it. just about heroin addicts yeah. and running around, you know, Edinburgh or wherever. And, Edinburgh. And, yeah. And so I get, but there's this one scene where they, they take a train to the middle of nowhere and then they go on a hike. And that scene what for me was like the most important scene in the whole movie. Right? It's like the most worthless scene in terms of anything else. Okay, but, but it, really it spoke plot, to you. Yeah, and it spoke to me. And so I ended up ditching um, Art Center mm-hmm. and going to Scotland. Okay. And got a Brit Rail Pass and then and then got off in remote areas and just wandered around. Man. Like consistently every single day I'd wake up early in the morning and then, <laughs> then, I, then I'd, oh, I'm going to go to the top of that hill. And then i just like... Eat this huge breakfast. What would like, you have for breakfast? Oh man, they had great stuff. Like, like, um, oats. like they had bacon, but it was like these big, thick 
discs of, yeah. of ham and a rasher i think they call it a rasher, oh yeah right? and it was crazy like they give you this little like train of toast where there's like 10 15 slices to- slices of toast <laughs> and every jam you could want and oh, and man. muesli and all these you know yeah. grain cereals and and eggs and and beans and oh, and shit, cooked yeah. tomatoes and and oh, oh man it was a so good english awesome. breakfast a good english breakfast is something that every once in a while gets in my head and i'm like i have to have an english breakfast <laughs> totally like, it's it's the most amazing thing to have a full english breakfast oh. it's just like a fucking ugh, it's well so you don't even have to good. eat the rest of the day like i mean yeah. I'd, I'd have energy for the entire day and then i'd come back and have dinner and um the worst thing I had, though, was uh, blood pudding one time. Oh, that's pretty heavy duty. Oh, man. It, like, I couldn't pour <laughs> enough ketchup on this oh, thing really? to okay. get it down. Like, People it was just so it, dry and salty. Oh, was it and, dry? Yeah. I, maybe I had just a really bad... I mean, maybe. it was literally like a defrosted hockey puck-sized piece of blood. It's basically sausage, right? It's a type of sausage. I guess. I don't know. I have no idea. I don't know what it was. Uh, I shouldn't have eat it, eaten it. I mean, it was it was gross. But anyway, so, so where did I... Where am I now? So you're, you were in Scotland. How long were you in Scotland <laughs> right. for? Oh, I just did... I did two trips. I, I did one two weeks and another three weeks, okay. I think it was. And I did Wales and England and float around Scotland. That was... It was crazy because I went there just to escape everything. Right. I mean, Orange County is just, you know, a lot of his suburban nightmare. And right. I didn't really appreciate it at the time. And um, for what it really has, that's amazing. And um, and so just to get away and to be in a different area was cool. What was amazing, though, is like I was going for hiking almost specifically because right. I saw the movie Train Spotting and that was it. And uh, what I came out of that experience with was how trusting people were there. Okay. Everybody was so nice. Like I'm this scruffy looking tall guy. Right. Wandering around with a backpack and I just wander into somebody's yard or mm-hmm. farm or driveway and go, oh, I don't know where I'm at. I need help or, and, and people like drive me around. Yeah. I, I experienced something similar amazing. to that. I, I lived over there for about six weeks as part of a study abroad, you know, yeah, yeah. Co- privileged college student program. <laughs> and at one point, I was going to go see uh, a race car rally in uh, the mountains of Wales. Yeah. Rally racing, which are those cars, you know, the, those cars that go super fast on turns and uh, through, like, the mud and everything. Uh-huh. Those modified, like, Toyota, what is it, like, the, there's the Ford Focus one. There's always, like, modified small cars. And I... Uh, Somehow, I called the number on the website, the the Rally of Wales, and I was trying to figure out like, where to stay, you know, just where to go, because I couldn't quite, the information wasn't set up there that well. Some guy answers the phone, thick Welsh accent, and he's talking to me, he's like, well, um, where where are, we, where are you staying? And I was like, uh, I don't know, I'm just kind of calling to get, calling to get some information. And he set me up with a hotel, he's like, oh, this is a great place to stay. And he's like, okay, let me know what train you're going to be coming in on. I'll come pick you up. Oh, that's and sweet. And what it, it, it sucks because I ended up not being able to go because I broke my fucking foot falling out of a loft <laughs> in some hostel in Barcelona. So I couldn't go because it, and my foot hurt so fucking bad. But it was just, I was so taken aback by this guy is just going to... He very plainly he wasn't being like overly nice. He's just being like, um, this is just oh, this is what this is gonna happen. Not, yeah. even, not even like, okay, I'll pick you up. We're just like, all right, uh, we'll pick you up then. Uh, just let me know and and we'll pick you up and take you to the race. It's just the general order yeah, like, of the day. Okay, like, sure. You Sounds, help people. Yeah, because because you can, and I guess because I'm a foreigner, it's, it's probably some of that where it's you want to someone like you're you're interested in coming to Wales. 
uh, f- to see this like why because <laughs> right. people are always that's why it's always fun to go to like a small town anywhere because people if you go there and you say well, why are you here like oh i'm just here to just check it out like you you came to fucking podunk just to to check out our ship brick factory <laughs> right. you know it's like people get so honored that the fact that you're visiting them and not something else that's always what people visit you know if right you well to, then they could show s- show their favorite yeah. hangout spot and i mean they're proud of right that you're was proud it of where, who, where you live so oh, you definitely want to embrace a visitor who doesn't seem like they have any uh evil intent well i mean and this all relates because i get this impression that everybody's so proud of their little neighborhoods they don't get out of, like i talked to some of these people they've never been out of their own region yeah like oh have you been to london oh london that's far away you know there's some statistic about that where i don't know what what the cutoff is but at a certain point in time like 99 percent of people in the world or 99.999 percent of people didn't leave more than a 15 mile radius their entire fucking lives like for for almost all of history that human history oh yeah you did not leave you didn't see, I think this, I mean, I'm, I'm going to butcher this just because it's just from memory, but I think it's like a thing where the average person only saw as much as like 80 different faces, like ever. Like that's the many people you saw. So if you see someone who's different, you're like, holy shit, wow. Well, that was like central Scotland. Yeah. I was in this town called Calendar and everybody had never, like, I mean, it, this is in the late 90s. <laughs> And I'm from Orange County. I've just traveled over the Atlantic, you know, the Atlantic Ocean yeah. to visit this place. And they haven't been to the major cities in the UK. Right. I mean, they've literally, oh, well, yeah, Sterling's the furthest I go south, you know, and like, what? You know, it's yeah. crazy. And they, like, I go on these insane hikes after my breakfast and everything. And I went on this one trying to get up to this hill in the dark. And I'd probably hiked like, I don't know, 15, 20 miles. And it's getting darker and darker. And I'm like, oh, crap. Like, every time I thought I was at the top, there was another hill beyond right. that that I couldn't see. And so I turn around and start running back down. And Why were you running? Because it's, it's dark. Okay. And I'm like, frick, I've just hiked 15 miles. <laughs> I need to get back to my place or right. I'm going to be, like, I'm going to have to spend the... I didn't have any supplies or anything. Okay, you didn't have camp. Yeah, stuff, I'd, yeah, I'd die of exposure or something. So I'm running back down and the grass is super high and I, it's hiding a... a pothole in the side of the slope and i'm going at this angle with all this momentum and i totally mess up my ankle and don't realize it because of all the adrenaline and i and i make it all the way back and then the next day like i couldn't move my i mean i had a the same sort of issue i i couldn't move my foot anymore where were you staying and like in a little I, this little bnb is crazy because the whole neighborhoods were bnbs like right one after the other after like i just get off the train uh, listeners walk if across you, do, the if you street. don't know b stands for bed and breakfast <laughs> right <laughs> so yeah you go into the you, you cross the street from the train station and like every other house is a bnb if not every house wow and and so and they were super cheap at the time and the, like the dollar to the pound was more reasonable than it is now and so the lady i stayed i stayed at her place like for multiple days and it was so crazy too because i'm used to like going to hotels and have to be paying up front and and i didn't know how it worked and so like i like i kept waiting for her to ask me for money Uh i'm like oh you know what i'm just gonna spend another night and then nothing that conversation never happened like that's weird is she ever gonna ask me (laughs) for money and i spend the night and then the next day i go on some hike and come back and 
and and then I realize you pay at the very end when okay. you've accrued all your and they're so trust like even that they're more trusting like yeah. you know I could have just left and never come back and I you know I was gone all day but so I injured my foot and I can't move and then the lady goes oh I'll drive I have to go to the bakery and get bread mm-hmm. so she drives me way out of her way to the train station right and drops me off but she instead of just going to the train station she's like going on this little country road I'm like oh that's the place that like if i save enough money i can buy that piece of land there and wow. and this is where my family was they grew up and she gave me this whole tour driving me to the train station and i mean and it was just a series of things like that just like what you had mm-hmm. and in orange county I mean, you say hello to somebody and they're like, you know, and they avoid eye contact and they're like zombie people and nobody trusts anybody and you better have a cell phone now, you know, if your car breaks and it's just such, such a different culture. Right. And that, and that was just unbelievable. And then they were proud of where they lived. And so that combined with these hikes that I'm doing near my parents' house, going to this park, um, I realized, wait a second, I could treat people differently. I, there's actually really cool stuff like this little park county park I was going to was loaded with plants and wildlife that I was learning with this field guide that I was using and I'm thinking you know maybe I'll come back to art at some point or use it as a hobby but I need to get paid to stay outside I don't want to be in a warehouse managing mm-hmm. Mickey heads anymore <laughs> and goofy heads and, and whatever and and so um my a relative of mine scored me an interview at a state park. Uh, Crystal Cove State Park is a sweet beach park, but it's all natural. And they have okay. inland canyon trails. And then they have a coast that's not um, groomed. Like they Ooh. don't, you know, remove all the kelp and everything. You remember hearing someone at one point tell me about, not tell me, but talk about how beaches are the death of most, like a, like a beach, like a nice beach yeah. is the quickest way to ruin an environment. It's because it brings in like... Unattractive. It brings in people who are there for the wrong reasons. It's just sort of thing where it's like a quick way to kind of change an environment to be a, to be a, not not as sustainable or just in general like not as a. You mean like a maintained beach that's yeah, been groomed like a, like with a, main, a parking lot and yeah. all that? Oh yeah, it's like it's, beaches are just. Well, even places. This guy. This guy was a travel writer talking about how he tries to not to go go to places that are on on water but they don't have nice beaches because when they don't have nice beaches it means that it doesn't attract beach people right people who are there like i'm gonna go to the fucking top 12 beaches in the world man we're gonna go fucking indonesia and we're gonna fly up to australia you know got hit hit the oh this is such a nice beach (laughs) and it's like the beach such a nice swath of sand that's connected from the water to the land well they become tourist traps yeah i mean and then you have like people trying to sell you stuff like while you're sitting on the shore and it becomes a different thing yeah yeah, and then it's just like a slum but next to water yeah yeah i mean so crystal cove luckily wasn't like that per se because it was a state park and they preserved it for more of its natural state mm-hmm. it was still weird though because i mean i the job i got was in maintenance and and all i did all the time was just clean up ported toilets and bathrooms mm-hmm. and pick up trash yeah. it was like the nastiest job i've ever had in my life <laughs> and um and and even though it was a pretty nature park people are still really horribly disgusting in bathroom, yeah. public restrooms. Oh, man. I mean, like, you'd <laughs> open the door of one, 
And if it was too severe, it would be a hose job. <laughs> and you just literally spray the walls and the ceiling and everything and just it all do go that? down the drain. <laughs> drain. It's so that. nasty. Oh, man. And like, you know, it didn't matter who, like, it could be this wealthy woman in a nautical outfit, uh-huh. you know, with gold and, and jewelry. And because she doesn't want to touch the rim of the seat, she's going to she, Yeah, all over the back <laughs> wall. And you come in after like, oh, thanks, lady. You know, it's like a 70, 80 year old woman oh, man. who's like probably wealthier than our whole neighborhood. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy how mad I, so, but I, but it was cool. Oh, Cause I shit everywhere. Yeah, right. Blow shit everywhere. And it, I got to go down to the shoreline and um, see dolphins in the morning. And that was cool and open the gates and everything. But, um, I realized it really fast that I didn't want to clean up after people. Like I scored outdoors, but now I have to fine tune this position and there was an organization called Inside the Outdoors um, that takes public school children on field trips. Mm-hmm. And I ran into them. They were doing a program there. I'm like, what are you guys doing? And they have all these props and they're talking about tide pools and whatever. And they're like, we're with Inside the Outdoors. And we, yes, uh, this is the third graders and we're going to go, you know. Mm-hmm. And and so I find out more about them. And I befriended the interpretive ranger at the state park. She was really cool. Her name was Winter. And um, she's still there. She's amazing. And she helped me get a job with Inside the Outdoors because it, it was almost like an audition. Okay. You actually had to do a children's program in front of your interviewers. Oh, And cool. pretend that they were kids. Right. And so she gave me some fake, like, animal feces made out of rubber and, <laughs> and uh, like, this whole backpack full of cool props. You mean scat? Yeah, scat. You got it. And, um, uh, and, and so... And then I had to pretend like I was talk- knew what I was, you know, this is a coastal sage scrub ecosystem and, mm-hmm. and, and on and on. And I scored the job and, um, and that was like boot camp because every day you were a substitute for new students. And uh, I ended up at this location, Irvine Park, where um, we got a lot of Inland Empire kids and, and they... I mean, no disrespect to the Inland Empire, but they were... But disrespect to the Inland Empire. (laughs) They were... They They can take it, They were so... Shitty? Insane. (laughs) They were literally insane. And you... Like, I have them for hours. And their teacher's like, I'm on vacation. So they, like, hang out at the back, do nothing. And we're taking them on these precarious trails. Rattlesnakes are literally appearing in front of us. We have to, like, not only make sure they're safe, listen to everything that we say, but, like... um, you know, have them like trust us, respect us, be our, be their, you know, we're their friend now, like mm-hmm. all within a few hours time. And, and then we'd get grilled by our leads like, oh, you know what? You took a little too much time at activity <laughs> area four, you know, with the trophic level cans and you got to, you know, when you're stacking the trophic levels, you got to ask more questions. You can't just give the answer. What's and, a trophic level? Oh, it, we just, it's like, you know, when you look at a food chain or right. a food web, okay. you know, all the, you have the top predators and the decomposers, uh, right. you know, and all the levels of, got and, it. And, I mean, it was just... I don't, I don't, to this day, I don't really necessarily talk about it ever, um, right. except that there it was very important. They and like you, were very specific about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, totally. Right. And uh, so, you know, I'm doing that and then like I have vocab cards around my neck and, and like, oh, what does adaptation mean? And, you know, adaption, adaption, what is that? You know, and they just like always get everything wrong. <laughs> and by the end of the day, because they 
they're just so hard to manage. I would just be hoarse. I couldn't even talk. And it's I'd exhausting. have no energy. Oh my gosh. And then I get a whole new group of kids and I have to do the whole exact, you know, the whole spiel over again, mm-hmm. earn their trust, manage them, make sure they don't kill themselves, you know, and it's the elements. It's like a hundred degrees out some days. It was, yeah. or, oh, and so, but it was amazing because this was probably their only field trip. Yeah. Because of field trip cutbacks and everything. And so to be a good naturalist there, because that's what I was, a field naturalist. Mm-hmm. Now I was getting the job um, that, I, you know, I would have as a career. Um, like, they re- would remember you. You're this kooky guy who took them around and showed them a good time, made sure they didn't die. Were you shoeless? And at that time, I wasn't shoeless. Okay. I mean... That's a that's a more recent phenomenon. Um, I think a little over four and a half years I've been barefoot, like almost oh, entirely. Um, unless awesome. somebody makes me go right. barefoot, uh, put shoes on, like in a mall or something. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, so these are all steps. Like, right. and and I get I started volunteering everywhere and taking all these um, classes just to fine tune my naturalist skills. And I eventually ended up scoring a job with the Nature Conservancy full time. I mean, they're a global organization. Okay. I mean, they're I don't huge. know much about them, but I know the name. They, it's basically, they're just, you know, whatever way possible, they're buying up or, or convincing a landowner, if they don't buy, to to protect whatever natural areas okay. are left in the world. So is that sort of like, the, is, it, is, is the uh, Sierra Club do that as well or no? Not, Sierra Club, well, no. sort of. I mean, Sierra Club is more like convincing people to protect their places and okay. and you know trying to change policy and suing and, and they have all lobby. that they have yeah their lobby okay. yeah and then nature conservancy is more like how can we work with this community to make sure that this floodplain doesn't get subdivided okay. within this river system or, or whatever right and then they usually end up acquiring land but Usually it's short term and then they'll give it to the community or to another local nonprofit. Okay. So I scored a job with them, which was hard to believe because I like, I'm just, I never got a degree in anything. Um, but I was just so obsessed with nature and being outside and hiking was like a part of me since I was a kid that, um, I just sucked everything up like a sponge, mm-hmm. all the information, everything I learned at inside the outdoors. I was volunteering at a nature center. I was volunteering at a, a land reserve. I was volunteering at a zoo. I was taking classes at the community college and just sucking it all up. And anybody I, who had a position in the environmental realm, like, how do I get your position? Okay. And they tell me, oh, you need to do this, this, and this, and you need to know this person. And and so all of a sudden, like this ranger's telling me, the ranger I'm volunteering for, you need to apply for this nature conservancy job. I'm like, oh, I don't even have a degree. Uh-huh. And it's that was one of the main requirements. And he's like, no, you should really do it. And I lagged. And, That's great. And, uh, but then like a few weeks later, he's like, so did you apply? I'm like, no. And he's like, you really should. Wow. I'm like, all right, I'm taking your advice. I'll do it. And so I do it. And, um, I score an interview actually. And I was volunteering. It's cool. Cause I was actually volunteering for them, um, on this place called the Irvine ranch already as a docent. And so that meant I was already leading tours for mm-hmm. them and stuff like that. But it was totally unpaid and once a month maybe. And so I score an interview and 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 then at the same time, I had scored this other job interview for a, like a part-time seasonal thing at a nature center. And the Nature Conservancy job is like full-time with benefits and like you just get paid to hike every day. Oh, man. Like, I mean, it's just like, <laughs> like, did I die already? This is just <laughs> unbelievable. It's like happened too quickly. And uh, I'm like freaking so excited. And, um, so 
I like I basically get the nature center job and then the nature conservancy job. I'm like still wondering like, oh, we need to do like a second interview or whatever. Okay. And and so I show up and and um, it's, it's funny. I was all cocky about it. And I, and I, and I it, because I knew my interview panel because I'd already been volunteering for them. Like, oh, hey, guys, how's it going? We're all shaking hands mm -hmm. like, oh, nice to see you. And they're like, ask me all these tough questions or whatever. And how you would interact with people who don't like nature. Mm -hmm. I don't know, some weird strategic question like that. And, and I came off flying colors and I'm like, okay, well this, you know, I felt like the interview had gone well. And I said, you know, I have this other job already lined up. Can you just like call me as soon as possible? Like, and, and let me know, like if, if this is good, like if, if I got this job, cause I already have this other job and, and I'd really like, I'd rather work for the nature conservancy. And I was really forward with them. <laughs> And that night, um, my, my future boss, Trish, she calls me up like after hours and says, you got the job. Oh, that's so and cool. I, and then I find out later I was competing with like hundreds of people from all over the United States wow. with like PhDs and master's degrees. And that's so cool. Oh, it was just like, what a validation. Yeah. And then basically I got paid to do that full time and design programs for them. They gave me this list or, or, or actually we had to come up with a list. They go, uh, we need to design programs to appeal to every type of person and get mm -hmm. people out on the land so they care about this place. Right. And so I came up with this list and like I had things like kite flying, you know, uh, uh, plein air painting, um, music in nature, like just anything I could think of, any interest group that I could lure outside to do what they love to do. That's such a big deal, right? Because that's the thing with the with the outdoors is you have to... Um, it's like I feel like it's there's so many things where once a person sees it or tastes it or smells the certain thing, it's like, oh, this is great. I just didn't know how great it was until I was sort of lured or f slash forced to experience it. That's the thing about so much oh, of yeah. that stuff involving nature and conserving uh, nature, and is just a matter of you have to show people. It's it's yeah. this whole strategy. I mean. Then this basically leads right into why I run this nonprofit now, Naturals for You, is um, the only reason I care about any of this is because I had firsthand experience doing mm -hmm. it. You know, as a kid, drinking from creeks with my grandfather and learning the plants because he studied with a tribe up in Sacramento, and and then you know, as an adult, getting the therapy of hiking up these hills mm -hmm. and and running all over Scotland and doing the same thing and whatever. You know, these were all memories that I cherished. And I realized that a lot of people, especially in Orange County, weren't getting any of those experiences at all. So we had to bait them somehow. Right. We had to find something they really liked. Got to hide a fucking Range Rover out there. <laughs> right. <laughs> hide one. Yeah, totally. There's totally. a new Range Rover in yeah. the woods somewhere. Yeah, and in, in a Starbucks. <laughs> and, yeah, you, and there's I, a pop-up Starbucks somewhere in this 100, 100 <laughs> right. square acres, 100 square miles out there. Right. It's up in the woods. If you can find it, you get as many lattes as you can order and carry. <laughs> <laughs> totally. I, I think at this point, we probably still need to do stuff like yeah. that. I mean, it's just like people are so disconnected that you really have to go out of your way to make Make nature sexy in some way uh -huh. and so I came up with this huge list and I got to do a lot of those programs and design stuff and it was amazing and we had this big um, endowment like millions of dollars to pay for a staff to do all this stuff and there was one other naturalist I worked with and we had other types of staff members and it was amazing and I had that for like four and a half years or something like that and but then um, uh, the politics started getting away. The the partnership that we had 
the Nature Conservancy had with the landowner, they were going to develop another piece of land and do more subdivisions. And oh. so they they were basically just this these corporate folks that decided, oh, you know, we'll po- we'll partner up with the Nature Conservancy so we all look good. And the Nature Conservancy is thinking we'll partner up with this corporate group so we'll all look good. Look, right. look, we're all friends. And but then it was just like this marketing ploy to sell more houses in the city of Irvine, Ugh. and and I, like areas that I was leading tours right next to or visiting regularly, they're like, oh, there's going to be four thousand new homes there. Jesus, and not not just not like creative eco villages or anything no, like just, just a, the usual crap, the you fucking know, shit brush. Yeah, the shit, <laughs> right? The shit brush. Yeah, like you will have to grade everything to bare dirt and uh, then we'll redo it. That's what fucking yeah. kills me more than anything is when they have to grade stuff and level it. And it's this thing where you have all these giant old trees places that if they, I mean, stuff is going to get built. Right. Sometimes things are going to get built. And if you have enough pre-planning and thought and maybe take some time, you can build around giant trees oh but, yeah but that's never the thought because it's too much too difficult takes too much time and too much brain power to build around stuff so just fucking just fucking level it clear it out and then we'll plant some shit saplings later it'll grow at a snail's pace because they're not the right thing to plant because they're the cheapest that pisses me <laughs> off so much you see like, these fucking parking lots with these there's this guy like james howard kunstler he's been on the podcast like uh-huh. a while ago he's um he calls them nature band-aids yeah what's the thing where you got some little ugly some little shit spot in your development just just throw a little like a rock like a boulder some shitty like aspen sapling and like a a bush there you go it's fine now it's got an eight it's been fixed when really it's just the furthest thing from the truth because you put something there it's non-native it's just it requires uh irrigation it requires more stuff to maintain the thing that it's just there's, there's no harmony there's no sensitivity harmony. That's, a, that's a great word yeah it's, harmony <laughs> it's pathetic it's it i mean yeah. it's like a kindergartner could be more creative than yeah his, but they don't care i mean they're uh, they're just in and out it's just yeah, they money don't care. it's the thing where it's it's uh all about ease and cheapness and uh oh yeah oh and, and, and so i'm bonding with these places mm-hmm. like i mean these are like nature is now my family and my friends right. you know like I, I have this emotional deep emotional connection i'm spending so much time understanding everything you know just like oh i see how that works so the rattlesnake eats the you know and the and then at the end of the day and and you know it's just like learning all these relationships and and then building my own relationship with the land and then for them to even say that they're doing that project it's just like they might as well just like stab me in the heart you know and i was just like i was so crushed it's like like I just want to strangle somebody and, you know, and I'm like, and I showed up to all the council city council meetings and everything. And I commented up the, the environmental impact report, this big document that they have to go through for their development. Right. And it was littered with errors. I mean, there's just all sorts of things that, you know, they figure nobody will read because who has the time to in their busy that. day it's to huge. read like a 300 page document <sighs> that, you know what you get done from your job, you go home, you watch some TV, you go to You're sleep. Fucking read that. Nobody's going to read. Yeah. It's like the most mind numbing technical well, report. It's so funny you say that because just just been this big brouhaha lately with uh, I just call something a brouhaha. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I use brouhaha all the time. Um, I'm like 90 year old man. There's a brouhaha going. There, there's been the controversy about the, uh, the wait. Na- which brouhaha are wait, you talking which, about? Excuse me. Which brouhaha are you referring to? The whole the whole issue regarding net neutrality. 
And there was a big piece on the John Oliver show about it. And this, he says all kinds of stuff, but he says something really great. That's uh, if you want to do something evil, hide it in something boring. Oh, so, yeah. so they made this net neutrality issue something so boring and sort of subtly complicated that the people were like, "What? Oh, I don't care. I would just do whatever." You know, I don't. I don't know. It's oh. like you just you you fill it up with uh, make it long and boring and dry, and that's how you slide it in. It's oh, like, pure manipulation. Yeah. I mean, and there's there's so many of these documents that as a civic, you know, your civic duty is to read every single one of these things. No. Who has the time, you know, and, and like it's available at your local library mm-hmm. on Wednesdays or so. I mean, it's just like so absurd. And so they, you know, and I, and I started like my work and my activist life were blurring together mm-hmm. and, and, I, and I'm like showing up and, and I com- I commented so in depth in this environmental impact report, and I'm, and I'm saying stuff at these meetings that all of a sudden my boss at the Nature Conservancy pulls me aside and goes, "Yeah, you know these folks at the company, the Irvine company that you know we have a company. partnership with, yeah. they're saying you need to calm down. You need." And she's like, "You should tell me before you're going to speak out about this." And I'm like, "What? I come on, I'm a naturalist. You know, it's like right. how can anybody be surprised that I'm going to like." try to preserve something that I've been like telling everybody it deserves to be preserved. And that's what, that's what the whole thing is about, right? Is that this piece of land is to be, you know, right. Well, we set aside this area so this area can be destroyed. And that was Mm -hmm. sort of their, you know, look how good we are because we did set something aside. Yeah. You know, it's such a slippery slope though. Oh, it really is. Yeah. It's, I mean, everything's falling to shreds piecemeal. Mm -hmm. And, and, and then when they develop some conventional piece of crap, homogenized, you know, whatever with the same cul-de-sacs and the same strip malls those people you know that design in itself breeds a culture that doesn't appreciate the adjacent natural areas yeah and so the natural area gets more polluted and trashed and and just dissolves away well it it's creating an area that's not worth caring about and oh yeah when you have some thing that's not worth caring about it's like the whole broken windows theory where When you have something that's of low quality and forced and forced upon the people and people who are living in it don't enjoy it and it's not something they can take pride in, if you're living in that type of environment, it just creates more problems. Oh yeah, it's prob- it's like a systemic thing as opposed to being well and they're gonna all like complain oh coyote got in my yard and my manicured lawn and yeah. like what are you gonna do about that you know like they the designing these communities. It's, it, it's so uh, like the polar opposite of what nature is. You There's know? no integration. Or no, no integration. Yeah. So I, I ditched that. And realizing that this was a full time with benefits. And so you, I, you left. You left I totally left. And, and they're like, they even said, you know, you, you, we really appreciate you here. We all got along real well. Right. Our staff. It was like a family. And we worked in this old office from the late 1800s wow. um and it's old and everybody had dogs and so the dogs are like running under our desks and everything yeah. it was cool and we had a kitchen and but i left it all and i had to get up north um away and i scored this job as a ranger habitat restoration restoration specialist uh, at this place called wind wolves preserve where wind wolves wind wolves and it's wind this wolves. old san amigdio ranch so there's a. But what is that? It's the southern end of the San Joaquin Valley, next to Tahone Ranch. So whenever you're driving okay. to Five North, yeah, you know you go past Gorman. What and does I call it? The Tejon Pass. Tejon, <laughs> Tejon means uh, badger. It does. So, yeah, it does. Damn Tejon. Yeah. 
Tune. <laughs> you could use that to your advantage. Tune. <laughs> so so I end up at this job up north. Tejon. Tejon. Cajones, tejones. Yes, we got the cajon pass too. Cajon. Oh, oh right. Okay. It's the cajon pass, <laughs> the cajon pass, cajones pass. <laughs> right. Cajones. So, so I ended up, up north mm-hmm. and, and I just got away from everything and um, had this job where I was all alone wandering around in this 97,000 acre preserve. Shit, that's big. And, which was actually bigger than the entire Irvine Ranch I worked at in Orange County. Um, this is all scrub plain or is it high desert? Everything. Everything. Oh, okay. From starting in scrub going up to pine forest. It's like, like it PNJ? Is it the PNJ stuff? Yeah. Yes. Pinon and Juniper? Yes. Oh, the best. Yes, we get we had both. And so that's like oh, five thousand feet, six thousand yeah, feet? You got it. It's, it's amazing. Like every so pretty. every type of uh, landscape you can you know, from grassland to you know, pines to oak woodlands to California, everything. I mean there's there's a lot of there's a lot been said about California, but not enough. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, it's really just this. It's What's kind the of best a, state in the whole? It's, I, I mean, it's fucking. It's, it's not even a state. It's like a whole. It's so so complete. It's such a. I mean, it's, it is gigantic. California is gigantic. Oh, it's there's fr- just yeah. so much here that it's it's a it's mad. It's crazy. Well, it's like per, I mean, there's statistics. I'm probably getting this wrong, but it's something like per square mile. I mean, we're more biologically diverse here in this region than anywhere else in the whole United States, just from plants and wildlife and everything. I mean, it's only microclimes and stuff. Oh yeah. yeah, It's insane. Um, so So you're up there. Yeah. I'm wondering up there, there's bears, there's mountain lions. There's, um, I, I, I just, on weekends, I had to patrol the whole place, so I just drive for hours. Sometimes I just park and wander up some canyon mm-hmm. that nobody could access except for me. So, and what are I'd you looking there. for? Just looking for trespassers, illegal hunters, okay. things like that. And um, it was amazing, but it was just an escape, really. Do you have a gun? No, I didn't have a gun. gun. Do you have like a bow staff? <laughs> I had nothing. A stick? A dagger? <laughs> no. A dirk? I No, a I guitar? didn't have any of those. A stone. Here, a stone maybe. Yeah, there was stones around. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> Defense stones. Yeah, I'd just pull like a little Ewok action, hide Halliburton. behind a shrub and throw a stone at somebody. Halliburton or... defense stones. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, it was a trip. I mean, one time I was wandering along the fence line because it, it's all agriculture next to the preserve. And I'm just wandering along this barbed wire fence and all of a sudden I look down and there is an old camera from like the 1940s just wow. sitting there with the bellows and, yeah. you know, that accordion looking, just sitting there and the lens is not even cracked. Jeez. And it's just sitting there in this arid, I mean, it was a weird place. I mean, it was amazing and it just vast canyons yeah. and uh, it was cool. That's what's weird. It has a way of preserving certain things and destroying other things. Oh, totally. Yeah. And you can leave like a, you can leave a... a a metal can out in the sun and it will disintegrate it will get fucking blasted (laughs) by uv rays to the point where it can like crumble oh i love how that works see that's what gives me hope like i I, i'm always optimistic that all this infrastructure that we create will all just dissolve away eventually (laughs) have you read that book uh the world without us or after i totally heard i haven't read it i can't think what it's called i'll find i'll put a link to it on the podcast i read the first three quarters of it then i traded it with my uh, my friend Patrick, yeah. the other naturalist I know, who uh, he tri- traded him for a, um, oh, what is it? The uh, the the Buddhist philosopher uh, uh, Ramdas, a Ramdas book, Risk for the Mill. We traded books, but that right book on. talks about how so many things, so much infrastructure, and so much stuff is just incredibly temporary in terms oh. of 
like all almost all buildings need basically constant yearly maintenance at the very least to oh even it's like monthly or weekly i mean like think about all it like, takes is a broken window yeah and it's then, then that just starts in nature when well, just like lacking like compaction like if somebody's not compacting the same area all of a sudden all these plants start growing Yeah, they there. come up yeah and yeah it doesn't take much there this guy in that book i was talking about the world without us i yeah. think or earth without us or something like that he was going through his one chapter where he goes through like an average uh, house like a house like a house has a fireplace mm-hmm. what would be standing uh, and he goes through like the timeline of what goes first and what happens and how it happens and basically he said the only thing that would remain is maybe the porcelain toilet and if you have any type of a like a like a heavy um, rock mantelpiece or something yeah. like that so maybe a chimney but even then that stuff is uh, gonna change its look quite a bit over time even though if it's still there it won't be look the same or be as functional as it was when you could see that in real time you just go to some area that's forgotten about Mm -hmm. Uh, like on this preserve they had this place at the far eastern end they called it dorothy's house because they uh, the staff members there they thought it had they had filmed return to oz you know that 1980s movie there and i don't know if that's really true but it's like this house Literally, it looks like Kansas, like uh-huh. just open grassland for miles. You can't see anything except this house. Little house. And um, and it was, I loved going there. I'd take friends there all the time. And the barn had already completely collapsed. Mm-hmm. And then like all the walls were collapsing as we were visiting. And, um, and the floor was collapsing. And there were beehives and like yeah. in some of the walls that were still intact. And it was the coolest place. I mean, and, and you're right. I mean, the porcelain toilet, the bathtub, those are the only things that were r- remotely intact. Uh-huh. Like uh, everything else was just decaying on the spot. And it was such a trip to be in there. We, my friend and I went there in a rain event and we hid a rain event a rain oh man that <laughs> sounds like, awesome i want to be in a fucking rain, in event. A rain event god i must start calling it that now i'm never gonna say it's raining ever again <laughs> right quick right. come quick what is happening there's a rain event <laughs> oh it's so sweet in the san joaquin valley i mean well, it's the same as in the desert you know you got these um monsoon scene seasons you know like yeah. in the summertime it used to Wait, oh it's so <laughs> crazy like like it's july or august and it's like 100 degrees out, like 90% humidity, and there's not a cloud in the sky, and then there's this little poof. And then all of a sudden, the little poof... Like, I'd never seen this before. Like, clouds always moved from over. one place to another and moved over. Like, they, they had an origin somewhere else where I lived in Orange County, and they'd go past us, and they'd go to somewhere else. Right. i never seen a cloud just, like, grow from nothing. Oh, shit. And then, all of a sudden, like, half-hour time, it's encompassing the entire sky... And then like six inches of rain dumps like in half, you know, in a half an hour and lightning is dumping everywhere. And then all of a sudden there's all these spot fires all over the hillside. And it's like, you know, as a ranger, you know, then then I have to call that all in. But I mean, to see that happen, like it was crazy. It's one time. That is a rain event. Oh, it was. Yeah. Oh, and then then the clouds go away and then then it's still hot. And Mm -hmm. again, the temperature goes back up. I mean, we were up on this road, Cerro Noreste Road, and there's uh, a condor rehab area there. And uh, called Bitter Creek National Wildlife Refuge. And we're right on the border of that and our preserve. And there's a fire that's burning like a thousand acres, but there's no homes around nothing. And we're just all the fire crew, the Forest Service, everybody's there, The uh, our staff. And we're just watching this fire just burn mm-hmm. up this hillside slowly. And it's amazing. And then 
if the same thing happens. This cloud just appears out of nothing, fills the whole sky, starts dumping rain, and we're looking down into this canyon called Santiago Canyon, and and the lightning starts coming down right in front of us, just huge bolts, you know, with no delay in the yeah. sound. And then this condor is flying right in front of us, when you could read its number tags on its wing, and, and I'm looking, and I, I, we're just like me and this fire chief are just watching that, and, like, and the fire chief goes, "The only thing crazier than this is if that condor gets hit by lightning," you know, right? which it didn't, luck thankfully, <laughs> but it was insane. I mean, it's just like so that it was so dramatic. Yeah, I mean, it was it was cool to experience that, but um, you know, so and that's a ninety-seven thousand acre preserve. Where I worked before that on the Riverine Ranch was 34,000 acres, and they all had money and funding and staff. And then I realized we have four national forests in Southern California, the Los Padres, the... Oh, actually, do you know all the names of the... Okay, I'm going to try here. This is a test. Okay, all the names of that. I gave you one already. Well, the thing is, is I think I get confused between... Because there's the wilderness areas and there's national forests. There's oh, wilderness are within the national forest. So okay. they, they have names as well. Right. right. So the national forest. There is the Angeles National yes, Forest. Yes, correct. There is the Inyo National oh, Forest. Oh, yeah, way up north. Yeah. There is the... Uh, but let's stay down in Southern California. National. These are national forests. National forests. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm going to say there. Go, go east of the Angeles. There's another one. East of the Angeles. Yeah. Think about that area. Well, isn't that Utah? It's a, it's a Spanish. No? Um, San Gabriel. Well, San Gabriel's no. would be in the Angeles. Okay. So where's, I don't know. where's Big Bear? Uh, San Bernardino. Yes. San Bernardino National San, Forest. Yeah, you got it. San Bernardino National Forest. Inyo National Forest. The uh, what I already said. Angeles National Forest. <laughs> Angeles Inyo. Do you San know Bernardino. the one I meant? Uh, no. It starts with a C. It is. Think the, about a president. Last name starts with a C. Carter. Think about um, uh, Ohio. Cambridge. Uh, think about a place in Ohio. It starts with a C. Columbus. No, the other C. What? Isn't there another one? I don't. I don't know. There is. Maybe. What C L. Cleveland. Yes. Cleveland? There's a Cleveland <laughs> National Forest. In Southern in California. Yeah, named after Grover Cleveland. Those are the four national forests? Well, there's... Well, Inyo's... Well, I'm talking Southern California. Inyo's oh, Southern way California. north. Okay. So, Los Padres. But Inyo's not that Angeles. far. It's like in the middle, kind of, right? Inyo? Because I was up uh, in... Well, it's like south of Yosemite. It's higher than here. Okay. So, Angeles, Los Padres, San Bernardino, and Cleveland. Those are the main four. Does that have anything to do with the sage, with Clevelandi sage? That's a... You know... I don't know. I don't okay. know why they named that sage. It could be named after Grover Cleveland, too. That is, so. listeners, if you don't know, that is the, by far, the sweetest smelling of all the sages. <laughs> and that occurs in San Diego, naturally. Really? Yeah, 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 yeah. It is. It does not smell good when you burn it, but as a, as a living plant, it is by, it smells. Oh, it's so pungent. It's bewitching. It's crazy. It smells like a mix of eucalyptus. And sage. Well, it has these beautiful purple flowers. Oh, it's and the, the best. Yeah. I remember when I first discovered that sage, I'm like, what the fuck is this smell? Well, there's so, I, we're so lucky here. This actually smells... I think I'm more hooked on smells than almost any other feature of our natural areas. Right. Like it's, you know, I've heard people like move away from California and they're like, what do you miss? Like the smells. There's a lot of smell There's here. so many cool smells. I mean, in yeah. our natural areas. I mean, then you got like garbage juice smell in the city right. and other but interesting smells. Even in the smells. city, you have like a lot of, you have a lot of like, uh, what is it called? Belladonna? What's oh, it called? yeah. The yeah. devil's trumpet. Uh, what's the... Angel's trumpet. Angel trumpet. What is the... What's the the Latin word for it? It has a cool word, right? Isn't it something like... Uh, uh, you know, I forgot that one. It's something base... And a, it's a poison, right? Oh, it's Datura? The, is it Datura? It's Datura. Oh, yeah. okay. I think it's so a type it's the of Datura. As, yeah, because there's also the ground Jimson growing weed, one. Jimson which is weed, bad. Yeah. Have you ever smelled the leaves? 
I haven't. Oh man, they smell like a peanut butter sandwich. Jimson? Like, yeah, Jimson. Have weed. you ever taken that as a drug? No, no. Because you know have people, you? No, I haven't. But I've also I've read. I have it. A f- friends that have. It's yeah. supposed to be the worst drug experience known to man. It's supposed to be. Yeah, full on like scary yeah. out of body experiences. Yeah. there's yeah. this really great quote I found when I was. I just like that word Jimson. Jimson weed just sounds cool. Yeah, I think it's a road. bastardization of Jamestown. It is. It may have been okay. Jamestown weed. That makes sense. Datura is all over the the country. Yeah, it goes everywhere. Yeah, but that stuff. There's some. There's some long saying. I'll I'll put a link to it or find it later. But it's something like, uh, the heart runs cold and the head runs hot and the mad as a hatter, horse as a hare. It's just this long old <laughs> thing to describe the symptoms of datura uh, poisoning. And it's fucking, well, yeah, you, you could go bl- terrible. Like, you know, yeah. one one guy who went blind. Went blind. For a few hours, um, and then you could have like total organ failure, like kidney failure yeah. or something. Well, there's so many other things to do yeah. than that. Well, Why I, would you do that? It's crazy. I went on this trip. We did Deep Creek. I don't know if you've heard of that. No. It's um, near Hesperia off of the 15th. Ooh, Hesperia. That's very, very pretty, man. And uh, the, it's it, this river gorge. It's incredible with deep diving pools, and they have hot springs that you can visit. So we're, we're waiting. We meet everybody at a Starbucks, and there's this guy, like this hippy-dippy guy playing guitar out front of Starbucks. I like can't you call and, someone hippy dippy yeah. that's awesome <laughs> and, he, and he's like hey what are you guys doing and we're like we're going on a hike to deep Creek. he's like oh do you mind if i come along we're yeah. like sure bring your guitar you know and so he comes along and we're going on the trail and he, he didn't have any food and he, but he was sort of like a like a forager of right. sorts not exactly but um he's like yeah i just spent the night out here the, yesterday you know i was just here like this is great to be back and so we're going up the trail and everything and we started talking about jimson weed and he go and I and I go. Oh, have you done that? And he's like, Oh yeah, I just you know I did it recently. And he basically it's this white trumpet flower, yeah, right? It's very pretty. And he he got scissors and he cut just the top of the flower so it looked like a donut. Mm-hmm. And then he made a tea out of that. Right. And he said for like four or six hours, he full on believed he was flying over his body and Ooh. and and like in other places and everything and. And it sounded pretty intense. So. Yeah, I think it's a disassociate as the t- class of drug, which is, I think it's similar to certain like hallucinations people have on certain kinds of speed, I guess. It's like a, it's a really weird thing. But I also don't know that much about it. I know, I know I've read, read enough bad about it to where I don't think I'd ever want to fuck with that. <laughs> oh, no, everybody overdoses yeah. on it. I mean, it's just like it's... And I think a lot of people, it's like some other drugs where it's like you take it and not, and you don't realize nothing's happened yet. Yeah. So you take more oh. and that's the mistake right there. Yeah, it's like the, the minute you take more because then you're all, you have too much. It's funny. It's funny. I, I, I worked for city of Santa Ana parks and rec doing, um, restore. It's sort of like the friends of the LA river restoring right. an urban Creek, right. um, back to nature. And, and it was a really cool place. And we had a native plant nursery and it was, it was a, I got so into plants with, you know, exploring and everything. I was propagating plants with cuttings and seed and it was, it was incredible. But one time my wife was visiting me and we're, we're out like our, our nursery is like in this little triangle of space away from the whole rest of the park, um, behind a fence next to a, like a police canine training facility and the railroad tracks. <laughs> And there's this so there's nothing about to get really good. Oh, there's nothing there. <laughs> and so like I'm working in the nursery and everything and she's hanging out and uh, like potting some plants and she goes, I gotta go to the bathroom and I go, Oh, okay, we'll just pee over there and she goes, No, I gotta go to number two. Mm-hmm. I'm like, Uh, all right, well the oh, you're gonna have to walk because the the only restrooms were like at the other end of the park. Right. And she's like, I, I have to go now. Like uh-huh. I have to go immediately. 
And I'm like, oh, uh, you know, and I'm like looking around the nursery, like, what can I use? What can I? (laughs) And there's this little greenhouse when we have these 15 gallon pots uh, and uh, and we have tons of piles of soil everywhere. I'm like, oh, just go in, just go in the greenhouse, use this pot. And Mm -hmm. then when you're done, put some soil over it. It'll be fine. Bury it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. No big deal. Fertilizer. Right. And so she goes in there and I'm waiting outside. I'm like, are you okay? (laughs) She's not used to doing that. And I'm looking around, making sure there aren't any like vagrants walking by, staring yeah. at us, and um, nobody passes by. And um, and then she she's done, and she walks out of the <laughs> greenhouse. And then I start smelling peanut butter smell, uh-huh. and I'm smelling it. I'm like, why does it smell like peanut butter? And I look <laughs> at her, and I and then I realize, oh crap, there was some jimson weed growing in the greenhouse. Right like feral jimson weed in the corner of the greenhouse next to where she went to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. I'm like, why does she... And, and I go, what did you use for toilet paper? And she goes, oh, there was this leaf like in the corner. <laughs> she wiped her ass with jimson weed. And, and I'm like, oh, crap. I think your like, butt's going to hallucinate or something. And nothing happened, thankfully. Okay. But it like she she didn't realize like that. Yeah, <laughs> was, I was I was really nervous for like half an hour. I was like I kept waiting. Like you know that's like that's a blood area. Like it is, isn't it? yeah. Because people all the time, uh, people die from ingesting alcohol anally. Oh really? Yeah, <laughs> I didn't know that. It's because there's there's such a, it's such a cap large capillary interchange that it's greater than your stomach uh, lining because there's there's no protection. Yeah. So a lot of times people. Um, they'll dose themselves rectally the same as they would uh, orally and it's like twice as much it doesn't it doesn't make sense because you think that oh how come we don't eat through our ass then but it's because <laughs> right. of a lot of complicated things but because uh, there's no teeth down there yeah no you teeth and there's like there's no there. mucus and stuff so basically <laughs> right. people overdose all the time because they put stuff ah. up their uh, up their ass you've heard of booty bumping that's no, a, that's an old raver term. I'm sure it's got like a thousand different terms, but <laughs> booty bumping because like you know like ravers and shit. They you, your tolerance for ecstasy goes up so fast that you uh, you want to get the most out of your roll. So instead of swallowing it, you stick it in your ass. Booty bump. You <laughs> I do didn't that. Know that. Yep, that's a nice it's old so rave trick, man. A little <laughs> rave trick. Let's take a quick break and we'll come back yeah. and talk about some more stuff. Okay. That's just a song. That's a new song. In the Southland. In the Southland. We're back. Uh, Joel Robinson, naturalist. Johnny Pemberton hosted and twisting the wind. You've been here before. You're here again. Thanks for being back. Howdy, howdy, good. Howdy, good, good, good. We were just talking on break. Um, we were talking about we were talking about before about booty bumping, but that's a whole other thing. But uh, you were telling me about how you you fucked your back up royally. I did. I uh, my dad had back problems, and um, 
I, and I, I felt like I inherited these and we're both known for, or my dad was known for, and, and uh, having like ballet posture where like oh, our, which, our feet radiate out oh, like, really? like a penguin. There's no name for that. There's, there is. Some, there's a cool scientific name. name. I, it's something really cool. Yeah. So I can't think of whatever what that scientific yeah. name, that's what we It's have. not good, I think. I think it's it, horrible. Yeah. It's, it and causes I didn't uh, know this. systemic problems. Nobody ever told me anything. Like, mm-hmm. and, and like, I think I literally, because I admired my dad so much, that like I actually forced myself to walk that way as wow. a kid. That's and funny. that's how I walked that way as an adult. And and then I mean I was thinking about this the other day. I was just like, wait a second. I remember looking at my dad walking right. and turning my toes out more. To be like him. To be like him. <laughs> and and hence a whole uh rest of my life of chronic problems. So so I injured my back late last year, and all I do for a living is walk on trails. Well, how did you injure it, though? Uh, do you know? That's the weird... Well, it just I don't know. Happened? It's, it happened? Probably accumulation of, like, different things that I shouldn't have done. Like, I have chickens at my place, and they all we had was a coop, and we didn't have a run, and sometimes we'd have to be away for multiple days. Right. But we couldn't let them out, because then, like, a bobcat would kill one of them. Right. And so I, I was building this run with all these salvage materials and moving big rocks. And that's that probably, your back, yeah. Man. And probably doing it in awkward positions. And mm-hmm. so that combined with other things, I don't know, like a few days of hard labor, I think, messed it up. But then I couldn't move. Like, I, I had to cancel all these tours because all I, I mean, basically, I'm I'm a guide and, we, and our nonprofit has a whole ton of, uh, not a whole ton, <laughs> 15, yeah. 15, um, guides that we take people on these experiences and, and it, it you know, we basically just show off what we know and, mm-hmm. and help people observe their surroundings and show them a good time and, and then create these memories that basically makes, allows them to like have an emotional connection to a place mm-hmm. and then they want to protect it. You right. know, it's the whole stewardship thing. So I'm like, Oh crap. I have like two weeks worth of tours that I can't do. I have to find substitutes at the last minute. Because your back just locked up. Oh, I couldn't move. Like, I, I'd lean forward, lean back, and it would be immediate, like, um, fist-clenching Nerve pain. pain. Yeah, yeah. And, and, like, I'd literally yell out loud, you know, from this pain. And so I basically had to lay on my back, stare at a ceiling fan mm-hmm. um, for two weeks straight. You didn't try to see a doctor or anything? No, I don't have medical insurance or anything. And I I don't know. I don't trust doctors anyway. I've had (laughs) don't. Yeah. Family history with doctors. It's like, there's plenty of reasons. Just treat yourself right. And then things won't go wrong. Right. You know, and it's so many people. It's just like, Oh, I'll eat this shit for like 15, 20 years, but then I have health insurance. So it's okay. Yeah. You know, it's so I'm not like that. And, um, so I'm laying on my back and uh, I put a word out on Facebook like, I can't do my tours because of my back. Mm-hmm. I apologize. And this guy comes out of the woodwork. He's like a fan of our page. And he goes, I, you know, I have this background in movement training. Um, he's a certified movement trainer or well, something like that. Like Alexander that. Technique could be that too. <laughs> Alexander? He's, I don't know the history, but he's a... Uh, he was a physiologist or some sort of maybe a dancer or something, but he created this thing called the Alexander Technique. Uh-huh. It's a special way of carrying your, yourself and uh, yeah, training. we both straighten yeah. up as we're talking <laughs> about know. this. It's hard not to because <laughs> you just so you become aware. Slouching of it. is so easy. It is. Uh, it's it, so hard. It's a thing that's like it's a way to carry yourself and also a way to do to do movement training that's supposed to help. Um, usually, it's for actors and for singers. It's to help you breathe better and to. Um, 
have more energy and less less uh, damaged your it's a whole it's a whole big complicated thing but it works out really well for people who do it yeah it's it's like that so these guys are up in santa barbara it turns out that the this guy who's a fan of our site contacts me and says movement boy yeah movement boy (laughs) and he he sends me this video it's like check this out and i watched it and it just shows the guy talking it's like a tedx sort of um talk and the guys saying oh yo these are all the things we do bad in our life like slouching in it in front of a computer screen Mm -hmm. and and on and on and this is how we should actually be moving around and these are why we have these certain chronic problems and they point out like uh how you how it, it's better to bend over in a certain way right. and 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 get, put your chin towards your neck and and all these yeah and, and i'm like a master sloucher like like okay. like my dad and i would slouch better than any Jeez. i mean like hang so low that like our chins are touching our <laughs> yeah. knees and um and i realized that every like i've been hiking for years and i've been walking wrong i've been wow. standing wrong everything i've been doing was wrong in terms of it was going to create serious i mean i was i i had to hit the shit had hit the fans systemic problems yeah yeah so now i can't walk you know i can't do anything and um and so i meet up with this guy he actually visited me at my house and he's a super cool guy julian and um he's a uh, uh He's actually working. He just got a summer job at Catalina Island right now, um, which is really cool. But yeah, uh, fuck yeah, bro. Yeah, right. <laughs> and so he he um, uh, shows up at my house and teaches me all this stuff. At first, all I could do was this one exercise because I couldn't even like I had to lay flat on the ground. How about shitting? And oh, that was the worst. I had to crawl to the toilet oh. and climb onto it, which was the most painful. painful thing. Yeah, I felt. I, I was so nervous. Like, I say two weeks now because I know when it ended. Mm-hmm. But at the time, I didn't know if this was ever going to end. Yeah. Like, I thought, what is my alternate career now? Like, right. am I going to be able to walk ever? Okay. I don't know. Like, it was yeah. so painful. And it was like this muscle in my lower back just wouldn't let loose. Wouldn't loose, yeah. yeah. And um, so I learned all these movement th- things. And then eventually... But it's funny because now... I'm constantly straightening. Like one of the things was you, you can't have your feet radiating out. They need to be straight, mm-hmm. straight ahead. And then you have to have your chin against your neck and you have to, when you bend over, um, you push your butt back. Right. Like you're pushing a drawer closed behind okay. you. And that, and then it, that's more of a balanced way. I, I and this is all fascinating for me. Right. But I'm just it, trying right now. Yeah. Let's see. Yeah, keep pushing your butt back more. Push it. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, well, spread your feet out more. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, there you go. I guess I get it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's sort of like you're for flat in the back. Yeah. So you know, it's more of a squat than a bend. Yes, and that's it. Squatting is brilliant. Like I should be squatting right right now. I shouldn't be sitting in this chair. Yeah, we should just be squatting. Yeah, let's squat right now. So I'm squatting. We're squatting, and um, it's funny because this really lent to another issue I had. Um, I mean, now at this point. Being a naturalist, um, it's not just about setting aside things f- and protecting them because, like as we were talking earlier, I mean, communities are being designed so poorly right. that the disconnection is only going to get worse and people are going to just treat any natural area horribly. And you go to the Angeles Forest and there's graffiti and diapers embedded into the yeah, trail and it's, it's horrible. Graffiti on trees. Oh, it's, it's <laughs> disturbing. And so... Um, so we're now trying to be more transparent with like we're all a bunch of alternative lifestyle people like the way we do things like we're all 
foraging and growing our own food and composting mm-hmm. and 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 when i say composting like i'm actually composting my own manure oh you are so yeah are you vegetarian I am. Okay, so. yeah. You can't do that. You can't really do that if unless you have a vegetarian diet, I hear. That's well, nah, you could do it. You can't, but you have to have a you really hot... You just have to hot, be careful. Well, you have to have a really hot compost pile. Well, so here's the thing. It's a, I mean, I live in a remote area anyway, right. and so I could get away with stuff, yeah. I suppose. But um, it's just, you know, yeah, there's bacteria and things that you could come in. Mm-hmm. You, you just got to make sure that the process... Um, you don't come in contact with anything, yeah, or you know, in the in the process, right? Right. And and then what you're using it for, you know, if you're just using it in an area, you know, you're not growing produce not, or anything, it's not necessarily going to contaminate. Yeah. There's this. Uh, there was some walnut, uh, f- uh what called farm or grove in Pasadena that was using human sewage for a long time. Oh, really? And they really they had the best walnuts of anyone's ever. Oh, yeah. Anyone's ever produced. Well, it's 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 amazing and. Um, so, I get like a long time ago when I had a horrible diet and the, I wasn't eating enough fiber. I like I got hemorrhoids, mm-hmm. and it was miserable. And I'm like this young kid with hemorrhoids. Like, yeah, it's like, really that's super rare. <laughs> and you know, and like, and it comes from sitting in chairs and eating wrong and eating too, you know, meat but no fiber and all you these. Gotta have bro- shitloads of fiber. Right, right, shitloads. <laughs> and and so. I found this thing on the internet and it, and this guy who didn't want to have t- surgeries and crap right. to get rid of his hemorrhoids and he was a young guy. He's like, I started squatting to go to the bathroom oh, and right. it resolved everything. Well, yeah, because it totally changes the... It's well, that's how it, that's how humans naturally supposed to. Yeah, yeah. Right. It's it, like supposedly women who are having babies if they squat, it's so much easier than laying on your back. Yeah, it shoots them because all the gravity, you know. Yeah. And your muscles are working right. So now I. It's funny if I go to a public restroom, I have to stand on top of the right. Does it? <laughs> and it, it but it's it, you know, I'm I'm insane. You no, know, it's a popular thing. Like the, the, that thing that uh, apparatus they have for toilets is people. It, it's being sold on TV, and even um, really, I was on this TV show with the actress actress Leah Remini. Right, uh-huh. she's like a famous, very you know. Uh, proper actress lady, and she's she's got one of those in her house, and she's friends with Jennifer Lopez, and she's <laughs> right like, on. she's gave, gave one to Jennifer Lopez as a gift, and it's like you got to use this thing, you got to use it. So it's it's like one of those things where it's not like uh, fringe science at this point. It's just sort of what the rest of the world does this. Yeah, like, we're the idiots that are like giving ourselves hemro- hemorrhoids right. and, and and so I, bad like, diet and shitting in the toilet and right. yeah <laughs> and everything. And so now I have this my area under the house uh, next to where the chicken coop is, and I have these buckets and I rotate them and you shit and, in I, them. and I squat and shit. So in what them. do you do with the shit after you shit in them then? What do, I, what? do you like? Do you keep the shit in the buckets, or do you like? Do you like dump it out? Yeah, yeah. Somewhere? So, so this is how it works. So, I mean, nature knows how to manage shit. It you know? does. It I t- mean, it's it's it, it it just takes time. Time right. is the the only thing. And people, you know, they don't have enough time in their life, so everything right. has to be rushed. And that's where you run into problems with exactly. like bacterial infections and whatever. But where I'm at, I got a lot of time, and so you know, I take a dump, and then. <laughs> And then um, my neighbor next door has horse manure, like okay. piles of it. And it, and that's basically just broken down grass. Yeah, it's pretty lightweight stuff. It's, it's perfect. I mean, and I use that for gardening all the time. Yeah, and, it's and really composted good. horse manure is amazing. Mm-hmm. And so I use that over as a layer. Mm-hmm. And that and horse manure doesn't smell that bad, especially when it's composted. So I layer of that, layer of my own, layer of that. And then when I fill up the bucket, I put it aside. And it just sits there for a few months. 
and it totally co- just becomes soil. Right. It just and, cooks down. Yeah. And I mean, and if you, even if you were a meat eater or whatever, um, it would cook down. It'd yeah. It'll all cook down. Yeah. You just got to yeah. leave it be. For I was a thinking while. about doing that at some point. This would be a cool, this is an idea I have. I don't know if it would ever pan out. Will be, you just knocked, I think you just spoke through oh. water. Uh, a thing where, um, where you could have a person who goes around collecting dog shit. You yeah. take all this dog shit from the cities, and you, well, you take the dog shit, and you just have like a big, a big like area, like a big lot that's got full sun, and then you would put the dog shit out on these like uh, sheet metal and let it just cook out. Yeah, and you can use it for fertilizer. Then once oh. it, it's just, all it takes is like two weeks in the sun, and that shit's devoid <laughs> of any any bad bacteria. I think it's a great idea. I mean, you have to be willing to handle yeah. dog shit all day dog long. Dog shit. That, that's yeah. the whole thing. But I think you could, I kind of want to think about doing it like on like a local level because there's so many dogs in our neighborhood. There's this, there's this vacant lot nearby. If you just got everyone flinging their shit into that lot and let it cook down, you could eventually use all that shit for fertilizer. Even if you, even if it's non-vegetarian stuff, you just have to let it cook for like a month. You oh, know, totally. Let, let it get real hot. Well, it, yeah. it, it's great because um, I have chickens and when I dump out the composted manure, sometimes I run out of buckets and like right. it hasn't been sitting long enough. And I'm a vegetarian and I have a nice yard w- with lots of open land basically right. to utilize. And so I'll, <laughs> it's funny, the chickens all get really excited. I'll dump out one really? of my buckets and they spend all day long just taking out anything that wasn't oh fully God. decomposed and the, and all the bugs that are in yeah. there and everything and the, it's amazing it's like the best chicken food oh my god so it's cook, so cook down human shit and yeah. horse shit yeah. <laughs> right and then the so chicken funny. shit and turn the chicken shit it's like the ultimate uh once it's once it cook off the nitrogen right it's oh, the great, yeah. ultimate fertilizer it is good yeah. uh but oh man i'm on this slope and there's no topsoil and the chickens are like cattle i mean they just eat everything until it's gone really so it's like you really have to manage a place for chickens and i actually have to keep them away from certain areas because they'll just they'll just mow it down oh yeah mow it down like i have chicken exclosures now exclosures yeah so their fences just to keep the chickens out oh, of certain exclosure areas. that's funny yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I remember, that's a word isn't it exclosure i think so i don't know i just didn't realize that was a word it, it makes sense because enclosure is a like a pen. I learned that word when I was on the Windwolves Preserve. We had exclosures for cattle because they we couldn't. They'd mess up the springs. We had all these springs on the property, okay. and they would just like trample them until they were nasty. Nothing. Springs are pretty amazing. I've been up in some of those springs up in uh, like Enyo, and uh, I guess not quite Enyo, a little further south. But some some of those uh, natural springs out here. Oh. They're ridiculous. It's like the most amazing thing you've ever seen. Well, yeah, it's funny because like at one time you'd be, you used to be able to drink out of anywhere. Yeah. And now you have to go to these remote mountain streams and springs to... Even you know. then, people are very hesitant to drink that stuff. I have, Some of the best water I ever had was in Minnesota from an artesian spring mm-hmm. and we were camping. And it's water that's literally welling out of the ground. And it, it's it's cold because it's coming from hundreds of feet below. Right. And it tastes so fucking good. Oh. It's this water called Bull. B-U-H-L. Bull. And it's from this place in Minnesota. It's the best tasting water I've ever had. It's so fucking good. Well, and it's full of minerals. Oh, I yeah. Mean, you're, you're getting everything your body it's needs. It's good. It's so good. Spring I mean, water. Yeah. No I mean, we're dr- everybody's drinking this dead water now. Yeah. It's this miserable crud. Dead water. It's filled with chlorine yeah. and fluoride and stuff. Well, I, I think in, a, in thinking along those lines, like now we're just trying to expose people to 
things like that. Like, right. oh yeah, spraying water is better for you. Or right. um, you could compost your own manure. Or, or you know, when you go out into nature, you can you don't have to go to a gym anymore. Right. Or, or living in some crazy shack or earth dome or something like that is is just as fun, if not more so, than living in some conventional tract home right. subdivision. And and so we're tr- really trying hard to be like a little alternative community that. Um, you know, connects people to this idea of like your life doesn't have to suck. You know, <laughs> if, if 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 you go more natural, like a lot of that's used against us all the time. Right. It's like, oh, well, you just want to live in a hut and and you know and and growing your own food is a lot of work and blah blah yeah. blah. And it's like, yeah, but I'm happy all the time. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like you're you're arguing this, and then you go home and and you have to you know. Uh, I don't know what people do these days. I mean, they're just full of suffering. There's also intermediate areas in there too. You don't have to grow everything. You can participate in a, like a CSA. Oh yeah, operation. There's there's a lot of there's a lot of intermediary uh, places you can you can exist in and sort of dabble. You can you don't have to just cross over necessarily. There's a lot. There's no. a lot of um. Well, and, but once you yeah. do like find out about these things, it's exciting because yeah. it's this whole other world, you know. And and that's what I mean when we're taking people out on our tours. It's it's so weird because like I've had people like where I live in Silverado. It's this, this canyon surrounded by the Cleveland National Forest, and, and it's like a roughly one hundred seventy thousand acres of uh, beautiful, fairly pristine wilderness um, mm-hmm. that anybody could hike. And it's 15 minutes away from the city of Orange and Anaheim and all these other cities, densely populated areas. And I had this guy who's like 70 years old, grew up in Tustin, never been like literally 15 minutes away right. to this National Forest Trailhead. And I and I, we go on this little easy walk up Silverado and he's like, look, his eyes are bugging out of his eyes. Like, right. this is the most amazing thing ever. How does this even exist? Like, yeah. and we're in this little mining town. So there's all this old cabins with stone mm-hmm. and woodwork and, a, and this Creek is flowing and, and you know, I'm drinking from the Creek and I'm walking <laughs> barefoot and, and, you know, I have this beard and, and, and he's looking at the whole thing. It's, it's like, as if I just taken him into some Frontierland movie or something mm-hmm. like that. And it's like uh, you're in the holodeck. Yeah, right. The holiday. <laughs> yeah, and, and it just it blows his mind to no end. And all a lot of people, and it's so many urban folks. I mean, you have millions of people living at the foot of feet of all these mountains, and a very small percentage actually visit these places. Mm-hmm. And like I realized this when I when I came back to the to the Southland um, from the Windwells Preserve, it was. There was a lot of funding going into certain programs in certain places with not a whole lot of land for them to manage. And then you had these four national forests that were huge. huge. I mean, millions of acres, hundreds of thousands, if not millions, right. if you add them all together. And nobody's doing any sort of real program. I mean, Sierra Club has their outings a little every now and again. A few others do, but nobody was really providing like a, a true experience, mm-hmm. like where... Like you make sure all the person's needs are met and, and you have just the most ultimate 
fabulous time and everybody like immersive yeah immersive and we go to a waterfall and everybody dunks their head in the water and you scramble over rocks and it's it's not just some boring trail where you pull, hold your hands behind your back and like over here we have the you know the <laughs> double-breasted two-tone <laughs> magnet bird you know and it, and you're like but don't look at it because it's endangered and if you look at it too long it'll die right you know so we we go out into these forests and we have fun you mm-hmm. know and and it's amazing like the feedback uh, that I get everybody it's like I had no idea this was here this is you know I got to come back here with my friends and family and then oh my gosh you, you know uh, now I know like I could eat this plant if I had to survive okay. or or you know I, I always wondered what that song was that that bird was singing and, right. or what what species you know so we're, we're like there we're the we could we're the content people so we could answer any question hopefully I mean I don't pretend it. I'm a, I'm a generalist, so <laughs> it's another form of what a naturalist is. It's like I'm interested in a, a lot of things, but I don't I'm, I don't know a lot about any one thing. Uh-huh. And um, it's hard. There's so much. There's, uh, there's so overwhelming. much. I mean, that's and yeah. that's why I love it because it's like I could go on the same trail over and over again. It's always a different experience. Yeah. And people start realizing this, and they're like, now that they're you know comfortable hiking in this area. Then, then they start learning about how, like, oh yeah, well, I live in Silverado Canyon, and I have chickens, and and you know, and every fall I process acorns, like the Tongva or the Ahashiman or the Chumash people, and they're like, what, you know? And you actually, <laughs> I, actually, I was just actually like, what, what? process acorns? Yeah, it, it's like, like and yeah. it works. It's it's like it, I'm, you know, it's it sounds like a novelty yeah, trick or something, it's but it's it's just a truly alternate way of Do living. Do you eat them? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, and we're making bread and sort of a oatmeal type thing, wow. but with acorn meal and That's and amazing. it's it yeah, it, it's a different thing. Well, it, it, like, it's right there. It's right there. Mm-hmm. It's 15 minutes away. I mean, you on a clear day, you look at anywhere in any valley, San Fernando Valley, uh, the Tustin Plain or whatever you want to call it, Saddleback Valley, all these different valleys, San Gabriel Valley, there's these mountain ranges sitting right. there like islands you know yeah they are like islands it's true because they're right there and they're so close and it's a thing where once you um well it's like that video you made with andre uh well i'll I'll post that too that's so funny he's doing that character where you guys take that hike and he's just acting like a like you know that character is such an idiot (laughs) right (laughs) but yeah and that but that's right basically in the uh in the heart of uh hollywood basically oh yeah yeah. i mean the the san monica mountains Mm -hmm. right here that you know griffith park's a big part of that and everything i mean it's funny when we were making that that fun film with uh andre and i and and maddie carterable right um we're driving up early in the morning it just rained and we're going up towards the hollywood sign towards the observatory and it was so crazy. It's like it was the day it was. We were meant to do that film because oh, like so pretty after the. Oh, like that. not only pretty, but like the deer are posing for us everywhere. <laughs> and then we get to this point, and there is a coyote on a rock, like looking at us. And next to him, and the coyote's ears are down, like as if it's like an animatronic yeah. character from Disneyland. And next to it is a scrub jay, like, and they're staring at each other, and then staring at the road, like they're posing, waiting for Jeez. us. To, I mean, it was crazy, I, and then nobody was around, you know. Yeah. And and just it's, random, yeah, random it's just happening. right there, right there. Uh, maybe in closing, can you talk about a couple of maybe uh, flora and fauna that are special to you, or you find oh, very yeah. interesting that? Maybe you can uh, you know a lot about that you want to. Well, 
I should talk about things that are coming up in this in the next few seasons. So yeah. uh, one of the things I really <laughs> I really love, um, uh, it's it's a plant that's in the mint family. Okay, just you know, like right. sage, like like the Cleveland sage, right? And um, it's uh, but it's it's called vinegar weed, and it's okay. not a weed by any means. I mean, right. it's it's. A lot of plants are misnamed as weed, and, and they're, I mean, mm-hmm. you would want this plant. Yeah. It grows in the worst disturbed soils where nothing else will grow, super drought tolerant. And you see it in the late summer and fall, and it's has beautiful purple flowers. It's tiny little plant. Like, it'll grow as high as your ankle. Okay. And um, little downy, velvety, gray-green leaves, sort of like Cleveland sage. And then... So um, it's a salvia plant? Well, it's not a salvia, though. It's, oh, it's trichostoma. Oh, okay. Trichostoma lanceolatum. So, because uh, sage, sages are all salvias, right? Right, you yeah, got it. Okay. So, sages are just one of many groups within the mint family, right. and so this one is Trichostoma uh, vinegarweed. It's uh, and it has a larger relative called woolly blue curls, which is amazing Ooh, that's too. That's a cool name. Um, and but this vinegarweed, um, in the late summer and fall, it starts blooming, and you touch it, and your hands almost feel wet. Oh, weird. and and when you smell your hands and the smell just wafts out of the plant uh-huh. the minute you touch it it's almost like breaking a barrier or something and it's this it's not really vinegar smell but mm-hmm. it's some amazing like it triggers like like if you've been in a really old building with lots of wood polish mm-hmm. and and you get you get the scent or like an old church or something right. like that it's a, that woody earthy but sort of like a varnish, yeah, like a, but in a good way. Okay, and it's super strong. Wow, and it's amazing, and and it's just it's the smell of late summer and fall. Like, wow. I think that plant, and we have a whole host of others like that. You people think that wildflowers are only in the spring. Mm-hmm. No, they're every, and all year they're round. all year round, and and they tell you what season it is. Mm-hmm. So you, I look forward to vinegar weed because it's late summer and fall, and and the smell you know, triggers like, oh, it's fall now. Wow, like okay. I smell the vinegar weed. It's so beautiful. Some people will be repelled by it because it's super, so strong. Right. Um, I, same See, with I, like sages. Some people yeah. like white sage is like, oh, that's too skunky for me or, or whatever. I like but, the stuff that stinks a lot. Oh, I'm me big, too. I feel like that, that is, under, like you talked about this earlier about how about smelling things. I think that, um, I feel like f- for me, a lot of times, that's what helps me identify stuff when I'm gardening and just th- classifying stuff in my head is yeah. like, grab a couple leaves and crush them and smell them. And that to me is, that's how I'm going to identify that in the future. It's not so, that's more of an identifier for me than anything else, I feel like. Because so many things look so similar, but smell is a real a real giveaway. Oh, yeah. As far as... That, I'm right there yeah. with you. I mean, it's, it's just like my whole life is smells. Like, yeah. I, and, and I'll smell something I haven't smelled since I was a kid. And then I'm like immediately back holding my parents' hands. And yeah. Like, it's really strange how, how that does. I mean, it's been well documented about how, uh, smells the most memory linked, uh, sense that we have, but sometimes it's so overwhelming to the point where you just like, can't believe how, uh, what, like it just transports you. Yeah. Just from smelling one a simple thing, it's just there's you're just someplace else completely. There's a, yeah. su- a one of the sweetest smells that is a guarantee year round that I look forward to, especially here in the L.A. area in the Santa Monica Mountains, is the the bay laurel. Okay. And I don't know if you that's a tree, right? Yeah, it's, it's like a, a tree, yeah. and they're everywhere in the Santa Monica Mountains, and like even in like next to playgrounds mm-hmm. and stuff. And the leaves look sort of like oleander leaves or eucalyptus leaves. Okay. Dark green, yeah. long, pointy, narrow. 
and they could be all different sizes. They grow really slow. So if you see a big one, it could be ancient. Okay. And, um, and they, they're related to avocados actually. So they produce a little mini avocado with a pit. Right. And you can roast the pits and they're like, they taste like cacao beans. Really? And they're super good. And they're, and, and, (laughs) oh, it's amazing. And then, then you have these leaves that, you know, people spend a lot of money for bay leaves in the store. And they're all over the Santa Monica Mountains, so just, just sitting there. And you could, as long as you're respectful and you prune them, I mean, yeah. plants and trees respond to pruning. They you take it. a few leaves. You don't need many bay leaves. You, no, you, bay leaves little are vile. very, very potent. Oh, man. And our local bay, California Bay Laurel, smells and tastes so different, but so good. Okay. I mean, it's just incredible. I had no idea. I mean, it, <laughs> like those, those would be two flora things that I, like, I, I wrote a song about I actually have two songs, Vinegar Weed and Leaves of Bay. Okay. And uh, Vinegar, you can, you could, uh, I ha- if you look up on YouTube, Vinegar right. Weed, I have a little music video of that. Nice. I'll, pu- um, I'll put a link to some that. Some friends put put it together for me. But um, uh, those, and then wildlife-wise, I'm really looking forward to, um, oh, actually right now, the glowworms are out. Okay. We have glowworms here. What is and, that? Oh, it's it's unbelievable. It's I, I didn't know until I was an adult <laughs> that there were real glowworms, not that eighties toy. Yeah. That, um, and uh, so here's the funny thing. So every in the east coast and the south, or I don't know in Minnesota, did you have fireflies? Yeah, we had tons of fireflies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So fireflies aren't a fly, and glowworms aren't a worm. Okay. They're all beetles. Really. And um, that's a our, huge family. Yeah, and yeah. our glowworm here. Um, the female is in a larva form state. So even though she's an adult, she still looks like a baby, right? like worm-like, right. but she has legs and her little segmented body, her tail um, glows and it could be green, greenish blue, orangey red, wow. and, and they glow continuously. And they're related to the fireflies. The males of the species of our glowworms look like fireflies, but they don't glow. Oh, wow. And so you think about it. You got these females on the ground Mm -hmm. that can't fly, looks like a worm, and they'll just be in leaf litter on the side of the trail. And then the males are looking for these glowing objects. Right. And they'll zero in on them. And then then you got... and, And this is the time of year right now. So you can find them where... Any, well, anywhere at night, really, in scrubs, chaparral, wow. in a woodland. But who goes out at night without a flashlight? No See, one does. Yeah, nobody does. So the minute, the minute you're using a flashlight, you lose your chances of seeing yeah, it's one. it's so weird how that's the... Yeah. And we do all these night walks where we mm-hmm. intentionally make everybody turn off the flashlights. Because yeah. especially in a natural area, there's, there's so much light from stars and moon yeah. and everything. And Sometimes it, the moonlight can be so bright, it's hard to sleep. <laughs> Oh, yeah. It's yeah. so bright. Yeah. yeah, it's like going right through your... I mm-hmm. mean, if you're in a tent or... Yeah. yeah. So you have to squint and you can see your shadow. Mm-hmm. So, you know, especially... I love it when it's a um, a new moon. So it's especially dark. Nice and we'll and be wandering up. And most of the times I've seen them when it's really humid out. But sometimes I'll see them when it's dry. But they glow continuously. It's like... At first, you'll think, oh, somebody, like, left a cigarette on the ground. Oh, like, wow. it looks like a little ember. Jeez. But then um, it's like... Why would it be bluish green? Mm-hmm. No embers are that color, yeah. and or uh, but sometimes orange or red, and it's just like it's magic. It's yeah. literally like you, you go into the blue bayou at Disneyland, and they have these electric lights, you know, and you hear it, you know, in the the bayou right. or whatever, and it and it's all fake. And it, but and I thought you had to go somewhere else to see glowing bugs. That's right. We have them right here. Yeah. Uh, it's it's that's, that's incredible. Yeah. I had no idea. I can't wait to find some of those. 
Well, I'll, I'll show you where they okay. are. Okay. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll do a to be continued with this, and we'll we'll do it in the field. We'll do. I, a, we'll do. A, I'll take this portable recording equipment out into the field, and we'll like we'll talk about things as we're looking at them. Do you want to do a night walk or a day oh, man, thing to a waterfall? That's tough. We'll we'll figure it out. It'll be something <laughs> like that. Well, we'll <laughs> listeners can vote. Maybe. How about All right. That? Sounds good. Joel Robinson. The website's Naturalist for you. Thanks so much for being twisting the wind. Oh, thank you. Security Agency to assess and flag citizens of the country who may present a threat to its security. The NSA has clearance to wiretap by any means necessary. Tapped. Incidental recordings of private conversations from the files of the NSA. Now on feralaudio.com.